I'm Alex. And I'm Adam. And this is... Bropium for the Masses. Welcome to Bropium for the Masses. And yeah, listen to that. That's Adam with way better audio because we finally did our due diligence <laughs> on having good audio this episode. Oh, Alex. Painful. It's good to be back. Apologies. Good to be, good to be heard. For, yeah, apologies for last episode. Yeah. It's good though. It was um it's one that I exclusively get to apologize for because I berated our audience with advertising tidbits and facts and how everyone's kind of watching you. But uh, this episode, it's just going to all be about nonsense and garbage going on in the world. And it being what Tuesday, what the hell date is it? Tuesday, the 25th of April. April. There's been a lot. There's so much shit happened over the last like four days. We had other topics even that we were going to like, oh, we should talk about this. No, we're drinking from the literal fire hose. So yeah, um, yeah, I it feels like there's some very interesting things that we're just going to muddle, muddle through here a little, I think, today. Yeah, I'd like to um, I'd like to start off, though, a little formal. A little formal, Alex. I'm going to raise a whiskey glass. Nice. Because today, April 25th, I think the most appropriate thing to say is, <laughs> Harry Belafonte has passed away at like 96 no, years old. Really? Yeah, 96. Oh, man. Yeah. Daylight come, Alex. He just wanted to go home. He did go home. <laughs> yeah, deep cut. So pour one out, Harry pour Belafonte. Harry. What a <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. What's up? What's in that can? What do you? I actually picked drink? up this um, Muskoka. Uh, what is it? It's craft lager. Um, Muskoka is a for people who don't know about Ontario. It's probably one of like. It's our version of upstate New York. You know, it would be like the Hamptons of Canada, ostensibly. So the Muskokas are the, you know, there's lots of lakes and cottages and it is, you know, it's the most expensive kind of cottage country of of Northern Ontario um, without going too north. But yeah. So anyway, Muskoka Brewery makes this uh, craft blogger. It's actually quite, quite good. So, so again, uh, don't fun, sponsor us. fun no useless does. fact. Uh, I know, most, Muskoka, please, we're giving you the shout out. And also, Kurt Russell and Kate Hudson's mom live there. So they have a cottage <laughs> on the lake. Hudson's mom. I forget her name. She's I basically do. becoming her. That's right? so Golden funny. Han. Golden That's Han. it. It just came to me too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just hit me after talking <laughs> Kate about it. mom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think... I think I'm pretty sure Woody Harrelson, um, Tom Cruise, and Nicole Kidman are rumored to have cottages in the Muskokas, but it yeah. it doesn't it doesn't make the Muskokas better because they're there. In fact, in some ways, it might make it worse. Um, Maybe worse. Yeah, they're so never there. A lot of hint, famous hint, people apparently like thieves live in, in Muskoka. Yeah. We actually did a couple of years ago. We did what the JW Marriott. Um, we did that nice. in the Muskoka. I think it's in the Muskoka's. So we did that for a vacation, went up there for the weekend. And, uh, you know, who's there? You're not going to guess. Cause it's not, it's not even that big of a shout out here. Uh, Ben Mulroney was there. Ben Mulroney. No way. So I'm, did we he, go to, we go to the pool. Did he smile? Or, uh, he didn't really like acknowledge anyone who was around, but the guy, he has three kids uh, or maybe, I don't know if they were all his kids, but anyway, I think he has three kids. So they were like playing in the pool and splashing around and like, uh, one of the kids like came over to us or talked to us or something like that. And he, he just said hi or whatever, but I'm, I, I don't care. The guy's on, he's brought his kids for the weekend or something like that. It's, I don't care. Like he's not a massive celebrity. And this is after the, after he resigned from 
BT something like that because something happened with his wife or something like that. Anyway, this is right after he resigned. So I didn't really think it was necessary to talk to the guy, to be perfectly honest. And I don't know what we would talk about other than what's up. You got kids, you know what I mean? Like, I, what am I going to talk to this guy about? Um, I mean, I he would have really a great, like a great Botox nurse, like I would, or probably his hair gel yeah. provider is probably yeah. the best. He's probably his the hair best. perfectly coiffed for Immaculate. even for pool time. A little bit maybe inappropriate for pool time, but whatever. Yeah, that's that's his business. So yeah, so yeah, we weirdly. Whenever I look at a Mulrooney, I always think that's like a 1955 ad for a vacation. Like they <laughs> yeah, just, they look like peak Americana in the 50s, smiling fam. That's just what he looks like. Without a shirt, he actually has the body of a, of a 50s dude. And you know what I mean yeah. when I say that. Like they yeah, don't have, have, yeah, like not a lot of upper body strength, but you can tell he's not weak. You know, his yeah. shorts are maybe a little too high on his body. Like just, yep. yeah, no, no chest hair. Just like a lot of thigh, like his, yeah, the that, shorts that was, are really way, high above the knee. Way, way too much thigh, and he was talking like this, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> it's like my inner cities are corrupt with yeah, with crime. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so what are you drinking there? That you're, that you're. I um. So because I I realize I, I'll take any opportunity to double fist, um, as you well know. <laughs> so I'm uh, I'm drinking a. Trigger I'm gonna warning. call it a. A gift, yeah, a gifted red, uh, and I'm calling it a gifted red because it was a red wine that was gifted to us. I have no idea what it is. <laughs> it's a red. It's I a had red. this experience at a winery like a couple of months ago. When was Crystal's birthday? Mm-hmm. Who can? Who knows? But who knows? I don't know. I don't know. And her social security number. Her social insurance yeah. number. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just read it out in the air right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, so yeah, I had this experience where we were. I had to go pick her up because her and her girlfriends were just pissed. And they were supposed to drive themselves, but they went to this winery and then they're like, we're drunk. Can you come get us? So I go over there and apparently like all the ladies had called their husbands and now we're all showing up. And apparently they like made a, they bamboozled us with a get together. Um, <laughs> the husbands like brought their kids because they thought they were just picking up their wife. And then no, <laughs> now we're all a winery. We have kids and it was just, like got out of hand. The girls are wasted. They're like, mom, what's wrong with you? Like, yeah. You know, it was, it was getting out of hand. And, uh, the, we, we were like, oh, let's get uh, some wine. And so somebody hands us a red and it was like, what's this? And I was like, it's a red. <laughs> I know what we're drinking. And uh, somebody else goes, oh, this this is a uh, uh, And I was like, it's a red. It's a red. Yeah. They're like, oh, it's, it's, it's a red wine. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I've had that experience where it's like, it's a red wine. You know what? And I'm going to take the opportunity. Shout out to drunk parents when you get the right. chance, right? Yeah. You're the yeah. you're the most honest you can be with your kids. I'm assuming you know no all macaroni. Let, so is, is good no enough. children's aid. Don't call children's aid on us here. Like all the men were sober. It was all the wives that were like out of control. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which out, you know out what? Of control. They 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 earned it. Probably they, they did. They deserve it. Yeah. Um, Alex, we got to dive in. This is uh whoo. Man, there is not even a like reasonable place to start. <laughs> no, with, there's not. With where we like, no. this has been. You know what? This is like a shotgun blast into uh, uh, an empty canvas and calling it art. Like we could start <laughs> at any bullet hole, and then we'll we'll just. It's it's nuts. Where do you want to begin? We you have a few rapid fire ones. I think it's like it's madness. 
Okay, so yeah, there's a couple of the rapid fire ones. I was that one that came up to me that I heard yesterday, which was actually really interesting. Um, and I had because I, we have shit on Mike Lindell on the podcast before. For people who don't remember Mike Lindell, he's the My Pillow guy who offered to pay five million dollars if uh, in the election fraud challenge. Right? I don't know if you remember this. He had a symposium. I think we talked about it on the podcast. How he was having a cyber symposium, and he said, "If you can prove there was no collusion here, like if you can take our data, prove there's no collusion by China, and all this data is totally you no know, innocuous, I'll pay you five million dollars." Well, guess what happened? Guess what happened? I'm. I. Th- I think I read this headline, and it, it is actually was like Mike Lindell has to pay five million dollars. <laughs> Because uh, like a, an analyst was just like, the, like this, there's nothing here. Like, what did Correct. you even send me? So um, a man named Robert uh, Ziedman, Ziedman, I don't know, let's say Ziedman, entered the challenge. Robbie Z, shout out. He, he, with a 15-page report, uh, I'm just reading from the, what was this, the NPR article here, which was really good, uh, that concluded the data from Lindell did not, quote, contain packet data of any kind and do not contain any information related to the November 2020 election. Close quote. Uh, a panel of contest judges that included the Lindell attorney declined to declare Zeman a winner. So Zeman filed for arbitration under the contest rules, which I guess they had created rules. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, guess what? The arbitrator said, nope, he is a soft, he, he's, uh, he's a software engineer. He's been at this for many years. The guy's apparently very intelligent. And uh, yeah, the arbitrator ordered Michael and Delta pay the five million. I think what's like for me was a bit of I had a bit of schadenfreude here was what there's it's the whole thing, right? It's like Fox News pushed this big time. They just were ordered to pay the seven hundred eighty seven million or not ordered to pay. You know what? They settled. I shouldn't say ordered. They settled their case with Dominion uh, voting for seven hundred eighty seven million which is apparently something like 20% of Fox's total value, you know, and there's all these dominoes that are falling in a row. That's like Rudy Giuliani was full of shit. Uh, Tucker Carlson lied to you. All of Fox news was colluding to just totally, you know, for frad dollars, didn't care. All liars, all liars, right? Um, all the big names. Then this Mike Lindell, it's like, yeah, no, you offered $5 million to prove there was no collusion here with China and with respect to the Dominion voting machines and all the data. There wasn't. You got to pay. So I just it, it's it's this sort of plethora, this cornucopia of events that's just sort of coalescing in a way that's very satisfying for me because for a lot of us watching this, and like I, you know, I, I take some pleasure in saying this, this was just a total shit show for us. We looked yeah. at these things and thought, what are you talking about? This is and this I, I said it to somebody um who was claiming this to me and i said look here on earth one we accept that none of this happened on earth two you may feel as though these things are real i'm just telling you that earth two is gonna like you're going towards the sun you're gonna be obliterated man like earth one is still gonna spin around around the sun on its axis gravity's gonna be real we don't live in a fucking flat earth like earth two there's a lot of things going on there I'm just telling you, none of them are going to well, come to fruition. Totally, yeah, totally. Right? It's like there's no Jewish space lasers on Earth One. You can go to Earth Two where they are, but that I'm telling you, they're, you're going to this is going to fall flat. So yeah. I've had a lot of these debates over the last probably eighteen two years to eighteen months with people, and it just seems like, of course, of course, it all came out that it was total bullshit. And I and I I I feel some kind of way about this because 
we were engaging in debate on topics that were so obviously false that we we had like we had to put up a backstop of of being reasonable and facts which again no one accepted on the other side and now we're coming to that and people are still sort of ling or malingering around this idea that like some of this could have been true it, i i still it's a very frustrating for some of us who are you know reasonable logical centrists or or moderates here who were just looking at all this and thinking you don't know what you're talking about. And I can't believe you're this gullible. You know, and I've said this before about having an open mind. Great. You should be skeptical and have an open mind, but not so much that your fucking brain falls out. And it really felt like this is what was going on here. So I think that's, and there, I think you're getting, you're getting so close to it where the, um, there's a difference between scrutiny and non-committal just asking questions. Oh, there's, totally. Yeah. Those are like two very very different things where you can the the you you can take no position. So you can take no position and sow discord by just asking questions and then that ultimately reveals your position that you believe the fringe. Like that's yeah. and th- or that's as a reasonable person you look at a person and I'm just like oh, I'm just asking questions and you're like you're not though. You're you're not taking a position and asking questions to try and further a point. You're just saying, well, what about this? And yeah, that's not doubt. Doubt. You're just, yeah. you're just sowing doubt. You're just yeah. sowing doubt in Discord. There, and there's a difference between having a position and scrutinizing another position from where okay. you stand, because that's ultimately how you get the the A common ground, but then B the the the, the, the read out the facts. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. like what it's it, what is like actually going on? Of course. Well said, yeah, well said. So by I, entertaining this, it's like I, it's we're, we're back to a corner. I just watched a Peter Bet David. I don't know if you've seen this guy. My the algorithms keeps Sorry. feeding me. Sorry. He is he has two first names and a noun as his no. full name. His name is Peter, and then his last name is Bet Dash David. Bet David. I think it's. I want to say it's Israeli or Palestinian. I feel like it might be Palestinian. I, I'm not actually sure, but um, Peter Bet David. What did yeah. David Bet Peter? So he's got the PBD podcast, and I'll tell you, there's. I have, I admit, uh, slowly, I have commented on some of his videos. I, I didn't, they're just so frustrating. I saw, anyway, to this point, I saw he had Neil deGrasse Tyson on. And it's always about, and a lot of things are like this now, begging the question. Uh, begging the question, for people who don't know, is where you ask a question, but what you do is you bury the conclusion of what you want or what you're looking for, you bury it in the question, right? So a good example of this that's you know, often given to people. Do you know what it is? Do you know what the really good example is? Uh, no. Tell me There's what's up. Classic, it's, it'd be like, Adam, when did you stop beating your wife? Ah. Uh, so. Which. Uh, yeah. What, you beat your wife? <laughs> you're like, no, look, you're like, you want to answer. You want to say, I've never beat my wife. That would be, but the question isn't asking you that. So, if, so somebody could hold you to this question, and that would be begging the question. It would be like, mm-hmm. "Well, I already know you beat her, so therefore, I need to know when you stopped." But we haven't even agreed that you do. So, I saw Peter Bet David. He's very bad at this. Actually, he begs the question almost all the time, and everything. It's a it's a Tucker Carlson tra- tactic. It's 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 all over the right wing media, and sometimes the left. Right, that the premise is buried in, in what they're trying to get at here. Um, and he said to he said to Neil deGrasse Tyson, and for people who don't, you better know who Neil deGrasse Tyson is. Um, Peter Bet David goes something like, 
when they rushed the COVID, uh, you know, when they did, when they basically didn't do any trials, aren't you worried that 10, five or 10 years from now, the COVID vaccine could have effects? And I, 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 I was, as soon as I heard the question, I meet my mind like went into overdrive and so did Neil deGrasse Tyson's, which I loved. And he said, what do you mean by no trials? And he goes, well, you know, they basically didn't do any trials. He goes, so when you say basically no trials, I don't know what you're talking about because they did nine months of trials on the COVID vaccination. So what uh, you're in, I don't, I don't, I can't, I don't even know how to respond to your question now. So what, P, so Peter Bet David now has to admit, okay, well they did trials, but they weren't very long because sometimes trials are like five or 10 years long. And he said, he's like, okay, I don't, I'm not aware of any drug that takes five or 10 years to get approved. I'm not aware of that. And he said, but what you're saying is it's this time limit for the trial of a drug, not the study participants. What if we had 10 million people in the in the study and it was only nine months long, but your five-year study only had 100,000 participants over the five years? That Which one do you more want? Effective study. Yeah. It's more effective, right? And he's like, well, that's not what I'm talking about. And Neil deGrasse Tyson's like, well, as a scientist, as a person who looks at these things all day long, as a person who has a critical mind, that's the kind of stuff I would want to know about a vaccine. So when you go making statements about vaccines, you had better know what you're talking about, especially when you're saying something like there was no tests. That's just not real. That doesn't exist in reality. So you're asking me something that doesn't exist in reality. How, how do you want me to respond other than the way I'm responding right now? So it gets a little bit heated and he pushes back and then this Peter Bet David, uh, like he goes kind of silent and goes, well, well, well t talk to us a bit more. And he's, you know, he's trying to double down and goes, well, you know, we're all allowed to have our own opinion. And, and Neil deGrasse Tyson's like, no, no, you're not allowed to have your opinion on this. You're, you're not allowed to sow discord about something you don't know about. So to your point, it's like you either have expertise in something and you can speak educatedly on it, or you should say, I'm not really sure. Right, that that's available to everyone. <laughs> it's power of I don't know, which is hey, it's why we put a disclaimer on this podcast. You come yeah. here to be less informed than when you started listening. It is a promise <laughs> we make. We deliver on it. Honestly, <laughs> promises made, promises kept. Garbage in, garbage out. That's our motto. Like we we live by that. But yeah. we are not putting like an n you know n equals population size no. number on our opinions. No. Which, if in the case of a scientific study, there should there should always be. If it's like caffeine turns out to be a miracle cure for uh, tiredness, and then it's like, sweet, miracle cure for tiredness? Who sponsored this? The McCafe Corporation? You're just like, okay, what was your sample size? 300 right. people. You're like, yeah. okay, so 300 white white dudes in san francisco oh three hundred white dudes in san francisco were interviewed on their coffee intake and they said i cannot work without my coffee and then you correlated guys white guys in san francisco with drinking coffee and outputting you know software development sure. oh, okay yeah, yeah what like your study sucks and you should feel bad yeah like go to and, hell and i'm not even making a case that the covid19 studies were done well that's the other thing like even neil degrasse Tyson again <clears throat> very good of him to say he said something on a podcast like, yeah, I'm not even claiming they did it on tens of thousands of people. So he, he doesn't even know the sample size. Now, yeah. what I did what, when I read that Mike Lundell thing, what I did was I brought up the NPR article and I quoted the facts that were reported. Now, that's available to every podcast host, to every news anchor, to everybody who wants to get it right. But that's not that wasn't available to Peter Bet David. He just said shit. 
off his off the cuff like he knew what he was talking about and that was sort of one of those that you know i'm glad that um so i guess overall i it, it this all of this is blending together for me in a way that's that is this is this a sign of the times that and i i feel like i i've seen a lot of uh pierre polivier videos lately on tiktok which are like own videos. You've probably seen these too, or you've seen them on. Oh Instagram. yeah, he owns. He owns in yeah. House of Commons. Question: It's like a one oh, 30 second soundbite of him owning Trudeau or something like that. Yet, one, the guy doesn't do any interviews, and two, I don't even know what his policies are. So he's gaming the algorithm, and, and much the same way this outrage algorithm, that like PBD, is doing, though much in the way that Fox used it. So this is always my my sort of fear, right? That we're we are, and we've been saying this for probably, I don't know, like as long as we've been doing the podcast, like that style of politics is being imported into uh, Canada, that um, the fear, knee jerk wedge issue style sort of politics shit. And it, it's, it, I'm now I'm, I was sort of like haphazardly worried. Now I'm actually worried. Now I think it's going to, it sort of take over our political discourse, especially with what's happening, like, you know, with uh, uh, Trump and DeSantis and all this bullshit that's going on in the U.S. Anyway. Yeah, I would say the worst parts of American politics are like some sort of anal yeast infection that Canada is just the upper genital or the lower genital area that somehow <laughs> also gets like the same yeast infection in yeah. our taint lower balls or labial area. And it's just, it it's keeps everywhere. happening yeah. that we keep catching or it's the what is it the usa sneezes and canada catches a cold <laughs> well cold. Yeah, the usa yeah. has a ter- terrible yeast infection of alt-right nonsense and 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 alternative facts alternative news alternative truth whatever the hell it was back when the blondie said it um yeah. the canada is going to keep getting or inheriting these things or get or catching these things um and that's like there has been i think what's so disgruntling is that there's been no quick and effective defense and suppression no. of uh, of this clearly bad thing instead okay. there has been entertainment and there has yeah. been we're sitting at the same table like let's both sit at the table to discuss this but you're like we're actually saying there's a fire all around us i have a bucket of water for some reason, you brought a bucket of gasoline. We are not the same. <laughs> yeah, we're we not are not the same. So yeah. this leads us into probably nicely into our next sort of thing about uh, what I really want to talk to you about, which is that the removal of blue check marks from Twitter. Oh, I, I, I think we've been talking about this for months, have. if not a year, how Elon Musk just bought Twitter to what I think is just burn it to the ground. I, it's not really clear to me that he doesn't want to burn it down because he keeps doing things that look like he's trying to save it. Uh, I just can't be sure, right? Again, I, and people are trying to come to this realization that like, yeah, he can build cool cars and stuff, but I don't think he's cut out to run a social media company. It's like, no shit, really? Oh, you're just coming to this now? Um, Adam, what is the problem with removing blue check marks and then asking for people to buy them back what's what's the problem with this so uh, would you like the problem that elon musk created for himself or would you like the problem with doing this generally i want it all hit okay 
so there's originally the there's originally the problem that Elon Musk created for himself, which is remove a blue check mark was a verification that the digital identity being presented on the Twitter platform matched the real identity of the person speaking on the platform. Digital footprint, digital identity are kind of a tough thing to conceive of, but you have your Facebook profile as Alex, you have yep. your Twitter profile as Alex, and everyone who sees those two things assumes that you, Alex, are the speaker mean- behind those two things. Correct. Yes. You are you. So in the case of a person like Elon Musk, who is on Twitter as Elon Musk, he speaks as Elon Musk, real person, digital identity. Now, by removing the blue check marks that he had, that were inherent or rather had been mandated across the platform. They're calling them legacy check marks. Yeah. Legacy check marks. You are effectively saying that all those people that we can confirm are the real people, and these are their digital identities on the Twitter platform. Publicists aside, for a lot of famous people, sure, sure. What you're effectively saying is that there is the opportunity to verify these real people by paying for that verification. Instead of validating who is on your platform, you're instead saying, actually, you can pay us to validate. Now, the funny problem that originally happened with these legacy check marks when he first got rid of them was at when he when he said you have to pay for it, conveniently six or seven blue check mark Elon Musk popped up onto the platform, which is very confusing because in the real world there is only one Elon Musk, but seemingly on the Twitter platform there were six or seven <laughs> Elon Musk. Now, it's very cute, confusing, right? Because you're like, wait, digital identity, real person. All I have to do is pay for my validated digital identity. Well, without guardrails, you effectively run into trolls or brilliant comedians who are going to say, I want to create the validated identity of any entity, uh, the Republic or, or the Democratic uh, I want to be the Congo. I want to be, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, Nicole Kidman's yeah. asshole. I want to be the United States. Sure. I want to be God. And then you effectively, instead of having real identity and digital identity as the verification of the real world, what you're instead saying is this person paid for a blue check mark. That's, that's, right. that's yeah. really what you arrive at. I don't know so how people getting rid this of was the, going, it, this was going to go any other way but bad. Like it, it was available mm. to you and I that, oh, just paying to be verified instead of being verified by Twitter. We all knew this was going to go terribly wrong. So it's not even clear to me why he would have gone through with this because it's so it's such a bad idea. So of course this here's so, the, uh, this is where the rubber meets the road because some people are going to be like, who cares if Nicole Kidman's not really Nicole Kidman on? I, I don't even know why she came into my my brain. Um, we don't understand how what gives rise to thoughts in our. Our, our mind but anyway uh who cares right i don't care if i i'm gonna get i'll be tom Cruise tomorrow who cares right well it turns out it matters when uh today again this is the first day of no legacy check marks and people had to pay um something like a an emergency response system in new york it was like the new york i don't i don't even know what it was some it said this is the it it just said out loud on twitter oh this is the real it was verified. This is the real New York emergency response account for on Twitter. And then another account tweeted emergency underscore response NYT. No, you're not. I'm the actual. And then this went on indefinitely where everyone's claiming to be other mm-hmm. things that they're not. So for the people that were yeah. using Twitter as a way to, to update 
or get updates on things that were really mattered, those things are fucked now. Like totally. They don't they're they're gone. So you you took a system that worked very well, the one that Jack Dorsey and all of Twitter set up that worked, you know, that that was at least honest. Did it have guardrails? To your point, excellent point about guardrails. Yeah, it had guardrails. And you just burned it to the ground. Like even people I was listening yes. to Katie Herzog and um Jesse Singles podcast um uh, like a couple of days ago, or, or yesterday, sorry, and they were mentioning their like, shout out to another podcast. We should start getting royalties. I, they're, I, I, they're, they're actually one of their things was they were talking about this thing, and I'm like, oh, I want I, you know, I want to hear what they were having to say. They're not even re-verifying themselves. They're not even going to get paid eight bucks to no. be re-verified because they almost aren't fast enough because everyone else is impersonating everyone else. And the other thing that was gross, I don't know if you heard about this, but. Because no one was signing on to Twitter to pay the eight bucks, Elon started giving them out for free and paying them for by himself. So the most cuckery move I've ever heard of. Cuckery may not be an adjective, but I'm I'm making I'm making it up for the purposes of this podcast. Is it? Do you know? You're an English, you know these things. Is cuckery? <laughs> I, I I mean it could be. I mean you're trying to create other noun and verb forms of a slang term <laughs> that is actually just a Shakespearean term. So really we could create a bunch, you know what a, a, a cacophony is? It's when a bunch of cucks scream um, or, or, or meet and gather uh, a, uh, a, 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 a cuckerollery is when an argument is made in support of another argument from one cuck to another. Um, what else do we got uh, to cuckificate? It's when it's when you urinate on someone as a cuck and thus, reassert dominance it's actually a decuckification there's another one uh, yeah, we, like, we got i can go you could do this i can keep going so, man this is english is a messed move. up language in the biggest cuck move i've ever seen he actually started giving out blue checks to people to like try and get some traction on getting blue checks and one of them was um so there's some interesting people to give them to lebron james cool um and stephen king oh yeah he totes. gave one to stephen king who, abru- who abruptly tweeted I did not pay for this blue check mark. <laughs> it's like, and Elon Musk said, <laughs> Elon Musk is like, yes, I ended up paying for a few myself just to get people, just to get some traction here. It's like, this is how bad this went for I love you. that. You're Stephen King, the people. most prolific horror author. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love it. So yeah. just what a terrible, terrible idea. I don't know. I don't know what this guy's thinking. Honestly, I I get that he thinks it's going to generate revenue, um, but I I I think it's very bad. It was to the point to the uh, for, for us it makes the point even more salient that Twitter's not the public square, and this proves that it isn't. Yeah, because your voice can't be silenced in the public public square. We're here. Yeah, yeah, no, it's totally being silenced, right? And he is—he's uh, had a well, long campaign it, over the last six months of silencing loads of people. So, yeah, and I—I I honestly think because I've actually—I've actually had a couple startups uh, that I've—I've I've looked at back back in back in my startup days. Awful. No, never join a startup. Everyone should do it once, but never. Um, I talked with a few other startups who were trying to get the digital identity verification system figured out in anticipation of the consequences of the Twitter blue checkmark issue. They were like a year and a half, two years ahead. They were saying, hey, how do I know who I'm talking to? 
online yeah. is that person. And they were building out, uh, uh, they were um, like uh, digital security platforms for you to link all of your digital identities to your as your data, one yeah. digital identity. <laughs> now, you're, yeah, you're, you're basically, yeah, this is me online. Of course, that opened up a whole bunch of new security issues that they'd never wanted to talk about. And then one of them inevitably said, like, we'll put it on the blockchain. I was like, this is the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Um, like, like, what do you what do you want? And they're like, we just want people who are online saying that they're them to be yeah. verifiably them. And I said, OK, yeah, we're definitely not there yet. But each platform does that in some way, shape or form. And they're like, well, we just want the, the Twitter blue check mark for all digital identity. So this cross platform idea. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, that's also probably not going to work because you're still, you are the security mechanism as a private company for all of these other things. Who the hell wants to pay you? No one. They're doing no something, they're doing yeah. a per platform. Well, you know, you're making a yeah. point too about so this, why Twitter was actually cool because you did get to tweet at or engage with people who you had previously only had parasocial relationships with. Um, so instead of, you're, you know, you're obsessed with yeah. Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, that's a really good point. You, you can actually tweet at Jennifer Aniston. So that, that's the only medium I know of, uh, or I guess Instagram, maybe if she, I don't even, I don't know if these people have accounts. So I'm just making this up, but you could actually interact with the celebrity you were that obsessed with, right? I'm sure you love Justin Bieber. You could physically tweet at Justin Bieber, but now the thing that made Twitter cool that you could do that, that's gone. And now there's a million Jennifer Jennifer Andersons or Justin Bieber's out there, right? So, and I would say, even from a consumer perspective, you actually had an opportunity on Twitter to say, "Hey, uh, Mr. Christie's, like I found a cockroach in my cookies. Like mm -hmm. that's not that's not cool, homie." And you could just have a one to one chat with the brand yeah. representative or the social media representative from their brand, and they would escalate it immediately because they're like, "Oh shit, the public knows now." So there is. There is an incredible amount of power you're also kind of de defanging from the public by saying, wait a second, wait a second. We had emergency alert systems and we had um, literal platforms where we could call bullshit on people who are full of shit. Uh, yeah, you had people who could just spread bullshit. And yeah, you had a little bit of ISIS recruitment, but it's like... That is what a public square ultimately is. It is uh, usually just a toxic open forum. Right now, what you have in Elon Musk Twitter is just a toxic nerds D&D &D group on Friday nights. And he only lets certain people speak totally. when totally. they show up in the right costume. Like this is, and that's what I think is so weird about it. It actually just seems like revenge of the nerds and somehow... The guy who made PayPal was just like, now people are going to listen to me. And now he has Twitter. <laughs> so there is a little bit of like pity, I will say. Indulge in the pity that we all have for this billionaire. I don't know if I have that because – so I'll tell you why I have a bit more – and I've been feeling a lot of schadenfreude over the last couple of days. The Mike Lindell thing, loved it. Um, we're going to talk about Tucker Carlson leaving, getting getting axed from Fox, which I was like, honestly – Probably Just, I don't know if oh. it's, I, it. We could make a case that it's going to be it's bad or good. Anyway, um. So and then again, like I have the bad. Um, I have the bad. <laughs> I, I'm probably with you there too. So I've I have a bit more Schadenfreude over the blue check mark thing failing because Elon Musk tried to label Canadian Broadcasting or the CBC as state-run media. Did you see this? 
state after state-funded media, fund, which yeah, Polavir tweeted which, at Elon Musk saying, "You should label them this." And in true fashion, instead of like doing any internet searches, which again, people are claiming he's a smart man. I have evidence to the contrary. He then just changed the CBC labeling Twitter account to state-funded media, which he's wildly... Okay, he is correct in the fact that it is funded by some public money. It's publicly funded, actually. So that's actually another designation that that is on Twitter. It's called publicly funded media. Publicly funded, yeah. And the difference between RTS, Russian television, something? RT, yeah. So RT is... Propaganda for Putin. The CBC and actually yes. um, a a podcaster or who did I see did a deep dive on this. Anyway, somebody did a deep dive on it. It turns out that the most funding cuts to the CBC have come under liberal governments, and conservative governments have given more publicly funded dollars per capita to the CBC. So Pierre Polivier won. I, I, I also have to mention that it's very funny that he's calling for a defunding of or or whatever, a defenestrating of the CBC when the man has literally been on the public teat for 23 years of his life. So I, I, I the hypocrisy seems to be a trait not only of U.S. conservatives, but of Canadian conservatives as well. Um, but it, the, him telling him tweeting at a, the, the owner of a private company to label cb i just think that that was like for me that was the last straw right i might have been interested a little bit the saga, in what Pierre the saga doesn't the saga doesn't end though alex no, the no, saga no, does no. not end after that know, you're right but uh, for me it was like okay now i'm all i'm all in against you monsieur pp like i it's monsieur now everyone, yes. everyone i talk to now i hate you and here's why and, and they're like uh, now you've made it my mission, my goal to tell everyone how much of a total idiot you are, because the fact that you're about big business and you got a private sit private citizen of the U.S. to use his company to do this to the CBC, ostensibly one of the things that like TVO we protected as a very centrist, right down the line source of factual news media that we have a right to in this country. The fact that you're attacking it means you don't belong in Canada. You're not a Canadian. So for me, this was like, I, I just felt it was a little more personal for me, but I don't know. I don't know how you felt that. You know what? That No, that's fair. That's fair. I think there is a, so there is a key distinction here where identity politics, politics used maliciously to suppress information um, a key distinction here being like any lobby for more rights is technically identity politics. It's the identity yeah. of those people who feel like their rights are not, <laughs> or, or they don't, they do, they do not have the rights that they are deserved. Uh, the gay rights movement was technically a, a series of identity politics plays to get gay rights yeah, in every country. Agree. Sure. This, this, uh, their identity would be homosexual and their, their politics was we want more rights. It is actually a very... It's very, it's uniting. It's a very simple idea to unite people. The enemy being the lack of rights. Here's the bad part of identity politics. And that is the enemy is the, the, the essentially the establishment. And I will not define what the establishment is. I will just tell you when they are bad. Your identity is your politics. You're usually very right wing. 
And then anything not what you say is the enemy. So right. this becomes the extremist view of, uh, of identity politics, where your identity is everything that great leader says, and then anything that great leader says is bad is what you are against. So that is a, uh, like a, 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 the other is the enemy kind of argument. That yeah, is the, totally. they're different than us, so they're bad. <laughs> very, very simple concepts to understand, but in, as an emotional response, and we're guilty of it sometimes too, when I'm just like, oh, I really don't want Trudeau to be such a piece of garbage, but like a really, a more transparent government would be really nice. Yeah. Cause that's like a, a huge garbage move or like you getting rid of the first past the post election system, like garbage move for not even addressing it after okay, your election promise. Like, you just said there, more transparency, but um, more, tra- but therein lies, therein lies some, uh, some, you know, some level of dis, uh, like disgruntledness with, you know, a political incumbent yeah. versus, uh, an identity politicking that seems, the other is the enemy. And what is the other? It's, well, it's anything I say it is. So you're just yeah. like, oh, shit. You're just waiting for the next enemy to be identified. That is distasteful in any politician. Well, no sooner had I, had I seen this uh, Pierre Polivare talking about defunding the CBC than I heard it come out of the mouth of a conservative coworker of mine. And like mm-hmm. that's how fast that type of bullshit spreads. And when I yes. said, well, tell me about the funding model of the CBC. Well, I don't know that. Oh, okay. Tell me about... T- tell me about what the CBC reports on that you find to be more liberal than conservative. Tell me. They don't have an example. It's like that's because the CBC goes out of its way to be m- slightly more friendly, in my view, to conservatives. They actually give them more of a platform than liberals. They actually know that, look, we we get the establishment. If we don't be nice to everybody, we're not going to get funded continuously. That's a problem with respect to a f- you know free media or uh, media that that might be provided publicly funded media publicly funded. It's publicly funded. Now, yeah. this podcast I was listening to made the case that the amount of money we give the CBC amounts to something like one hundred and twenty six dollars a year per man, woman, and child in Canada, and that is the it's cheapest. It's it's There's so cheap. It's the we get. The facts, we don't always get the stories we might want to hear, but we get the facts about what we do in a very moderate, centrist, slightly right-leaning way sometimes, and they are very good at it. On a balance of probability, you're getting 99.9%. You're getting you know, the right, uh, honestly, the right story. Can I, can I, I'll, make, I'll, even, I'll even further that case. For $126 a year for every Canadian citizen, CBC Marketplace alone pays for itself. Oh, easily. CBC Marketplace is some of the best investigative journalism yep. uh, at anywhere showing outing scams going to scammers uh, supposed places of businesses or PO totally. boxes yep. telling people like hey this is how you not get scammed only the only only organization uh, that is publicly funded I will say this against the Trudeau government and against the official opposition and against the NDP the only organization that has challenged big telecom in Canada yep. for yep. the stupidity of its rates CBC marketplace episode on Bell Rogers Telus is some of the best journalism because it shows that it's all bullshit their prices mean nothing they inflate everything and all you need to do is wait on the phone for eight hours and you will get what you want <laughs> right shout out to CBC marketplaces our tele our telcos are awful and unfortunately if you do not have the patience to get a cheaper rate on your plan you will pay more all their advertised rates are inflated bullshit it's it's incredible like it really is 
that, that and that's something as you see in your public broadcaster is partisan agnostic. It is not political at all. It is quite literally just about Canadians are losing money this way. Yep. Yep. Canadians are getting scammed this way. Canadians well, are being treated unfairly this way. I would say this about someone who attacks public broadcasting. Who uh, we hear a lot about fascism and how mm-hmm. you know neoliberals are somehow neo-fascists and they want to you know this they want to spend all the money and w- w- this is um, they're Marxists. I would argue that a politician who attacks the free free form of ideas, investigative journalism, publicly funded broadcasting that's, again, very centrist, sometimes right-leaning, is they themselves a fascist? I'll say it out loud. Like that, that's what fascists do. They attack the media. A prime example is someone like Bolsonaro, fucking Duterte, Donald Trump. When they don't like the truth, they attack the media. So I just encourage people yeah, listening. The public, yeah, this is yeah, nation, this, nationalism. This, nationalism this, does this thing This is over like and over fascism again. playbook 101, man. Like you, you, you may think that it's, I know that right now there's a narrative that's like liberals are shutting down free speech. And actually I agree with that. We don't have a public square or language, which we agree on that we can talk about trans issues on. That is, that's a fact. Okay. That, that, that might be a controversial thing to say. Or housing. We, or, immig- we, or, or, or immigration. Or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, or housing. Or right? So <laughs> you pick your poison here. We don't have, we, we just don't have the space to do it right now because of the divisive nature of our politics. Right? So we could solve housing. We just have to be able to ha- use the right words and have a space that's safe to do that. These people like Pierre Polivier are not creating that space. They're actually, they're closing all the doors so you can't go into those spaces. They don't want you to have the conversation. They don't want you to hear facts, right? That is what fascism uh, fascism is about. They Pierre Polivier is a neo-fascist. He's just, he just has a nice haircut and takes all your public money to and wears his glasses so he looks smart. And, and he's been sucking on that public teat for the last 23 years. Don't think that he's somehow like you. Don't think that this is what exactly what Donald Trump did. I'm just like you. When they come for me, they're coming for you next. It's like, no, man, they're not coming for us. You're a f- you fucked a porn star while your wife was pregnant. That's not a thing people do. Like, <laughs> it's maddening so, to me. Here's. Here's what I hope. I have a to to be hopeful, and to, and to try to be fair. Would you do that? It's a tough. It's a tough one because this might actually this like it's a it's a it's like a really spicy pepper sitting in your stomach. Do I want an incredibly effective and experienced public servant to be prime minister? That. Is a it's a tough question to grapple with, yeah. because no, you said it. I just I had so many thoughts. Yeah, right. So it's yeah. like a person who understands political dealings, understands how to get things done, and understands who they need to scapegoat in order to get those things done, and potentially a very effective politician, and a person who seemingly can make promises and deliver on them. Sounds. Like a dream, 
for the politician you want to vote in, right? It all, unfortunately, it depends on the ideologies of that politician. Because what we have in our incumbent prime minister is actually a guy who learned a lot on the job, I'm guessing, or from from daddy. He learned a lot from daddy. And then on the other side, we have the leader of the official opposition who is actually the most credible politician in our parliamentary system because he's been in it for a very long time. So that should strike a little bit of a chord. What I, again, this is where I'm so hopeful. I'm hoping that this veteran politician is casting a wide net and much like our incumbent prime minister did in making very many promises, several of which he is not delivered on, to which I'm like, why get rid of first past the post if it's what guarantees you victory every single time you run for election? Okay, tough, tough decision to make as a leader. There's the right thing to do. And then there's what you're doing. Maybe it's not wrong, but doing nothing is akin to accepting that. Yeah, it's being wrong. I I like like the system the way it is. So credit where credit is due. You're you're doing shitty things. I will give you credit for the shitty thing. So do I want a veteran politician who I'm ideologically not aligned to at all? Oh, that's a tough one. Clearly, clearly has been in the system long enough to probably understand how it works. But wants to do a bunch of things that I disagree with. So I'm hoping it's a wide net cast of 90% bullshit and 10% delivery. And then it's not defunding the CBC that will be Pierre, like Monsieur Pepe's marijuana legislation. It's like his first past the post voting. And this is, uh, that is unfortunately now a cynical view. And what I said was going to be hopeful is actually just incredibly cynical because I do not think any of our our political leaders currently have a fundamental understanding of the majority of Canadians or a fundamental understanding of the cost of like bananas. And that, no, I agree. Yep. And that to me is terrifying. Well, a that good example of what you're saying is that I don't know if people have heard this, but the Canada Revenue Agency or the companies, the people who work in at the Canada Revenue Agency, so people we file our taxes with, just all went on strike. And it's something like just went on strike. It's not an insignificant number of people, right? It's like tertiary fifty thousand people. It's hundred it's a lot. And federal workers. So not just the CRA, we're talking uh, everyone involved uh, in the process. Process, legal yeah. assistance for government yeah. prosecution cases, legal assistance for government defense cases. We're so here, like across the board. This is a large amount of union unionized staff. And I know conservatives hate unions. They hate them. They hate that people have power, which is funny because that's what government is. It's actually supposed to be the voice of the people. They've forgotten this, but they hate unions. So what's the, what was Pierre Polivier's response to all the people going on strike? Oh, when I'm prime minister... I'm going to fire half of them because we have all this needless bureaucracy. It's like, so hold on. You're telling me you know what all those people do. And what you're telling me is you know that some of them don't need jobs. Oh, interesting. That's number one, a way to never get anyone from the CRA or tertiary, you know, any of the things around them, uh, the, the tertiary of the of, of the CRA to vote for you because you're going to fire them when you get in power. So politically kind of a stupid thing to say. And two, 
this is what conservatives tend to do. Oh, we'll just cut everything. And then when shit falls apart and the voters realize we should not have elected conservatives, we get liberal governments in that have to spend money to fix those things. And then the conservatives get to say, look at the liberals spending all the money. It's like, well, yeah. that, but, but you fucked it up. What do you, what, what do we do now? You've, you've put, uh, you've set us back. Now we have to fix things. This is actually historically what happens in government over you could look this up. I have because I was interested in this. You could look this up, but this is typically why liberal budgets are so high or why liberals spend is because conservatives cut too much. And now I think that there's a balance here between new ideas that we should explore based on the data, which our liberals are very good at, and sometimes doing it the way we always did it because it actually does work, which is more of a conservative ideal. So I'm I'm, I'm a centrist in that there's some we should explore all options. Some of those options are old and they still work. Some are new and we should we should look to that data. So I'm I'm kind of halfway between this sort of ideology, but this is typically what happens. And Pierre saying, I'm gonna so I'll fire half these people, we don't have this problem. Okay, I, I now you're making me worried that now my taxes are gonna be fucked up, or if you, the government, owe me money, you're I'm not getting it back. He's not instilling any confidence in me as a leader. Because leaders don't say, I'm going to fire half the people like Silicon Valley does fucking every time there's like a small recession. Oh, we'll just lay off 10,000 employees, right? It's like, that's not a solution. Um, like we talked about Chapman's in an early episode about how they don't do that. They actually reduce their profit and pay their staff because that's what that's what they should do. Um, but so, yeah, I think uh, maybe the point I'm making here is that don't believe you don't believe everything you see on TikTok. Don't believe all these reels and I think more deeply about what the impacts are of cutting half the CRA or or um or you know anything you're hearing here. You know, this, this, there's this, kind this of that. an interesting there's an interesting mirroring here. So we just because we just segued from Twitter mm-hmm. and we segued from Twitter and we've seen a new uh a new leader of Twitter come in and slash their risk analysis department, slashed the verification system that they had for identifying real people. And then they slashed 50% of their staff in pursuit of profit. Also lost a shit ton of advertising revenue, primary lever for profit for them, and also lost a ton of users. So... Maybe is there a slashing, lesson here? maybe <laughs> yeah. slashing isn't the thing. Like coming to the coming to the conference table with a machete has a very very succinct message, and it probably is the wrong one. In the case of a government, you kind of have the same 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 outflows here, or, or sorry, same same thing at play here. But granted, government is not a company. Let me just reiterate that. But if a department in the government, which Historically, you know what the messed up part is? CRA is the source of government revenue. If there's one thing you want to spend a ton of money on, it is a unapologetic revenue generating mechanism that is your tax generating body. Agree. Your IRS, your CRA, your Geflogenstufensklamt. I can't remember what it yep. was in Germany, but it was the, the Gesundheitsbord or something like that. Uh, or no, the Arbeitbord. The that they made sure that you you enjoy these public services we provide you, you're going to pay your fair share. That's right. And if anything, you or if we owe you, you get your money back. Or if we owe you, yeah, you get your yeah. money back. Yeah. 
we you want an incredibly you want like a ravenous tax collecting body and you I want agree. to be ravenous for all of those people over a certain income threshold who have money enough to avoid certain tax correct uh, yeah. tax obligations that they have because i guarantee you you know mom and pop four kids deep budgeting every single month and are like you know, one broken bicycle away from not making Christmas presents, they do not have the wherewithal, time, or money to litigate the CRA to say, no, you owe me an extra $30 a month on the child care benefit. Yeah. They just don't have the resources. Also not the people that we need the CRA to be also occupied. Other, yeah. they, their time so should we, not be occupied with people who make under $40,000 yeah. a year. They're just yeah. not cheating the system. They're, they're, they're just, just not. There's no data to support that. Yeah. They don't have the time resource. No. Like it is no. so hard yeah. to it is so hard to to cheat and then beat the system making under 40 grand a year in Canada. Yeah. So now, granted, I just heard this too, that, that sorry to interrupt you. It was something like if you reduce the CRA by, I think it was a certain percentage, I think it was 15%, it would increase the amount of basically millionaires who get away with tax fraud because so, you can only have so many eyes on so many things, right? So if yes. you, you can't have an unlimited number of people working in the CRA, let's say that, that's ridiculous and, and actually and, it's the litigation it's the what people understand it's the litigation yeah the cra has to pay lawyers to look government lawyers to litigate against these people who are trying to cheat or beat the yeah. system and if they do not have the budget well then they have to cut things they, they have to cut extraneous expenses and you might think oh wouldn't they spend keep the lawyers but don't like don't spend a lot of money on the people just process it excuse me, processing general tax returns? Well, you'd be surprised. But if actually the bulk of your revenue comes from 60% of the population making under $75,000 a year, you put a lot of resources in that, at the very least for customer success. You want people to file their taxes successfully yes. because yes. that's your primary revenue lever. Now, that other 40% of people who are you know making money and not declaring it, making money and they're making a lot of money, but they're not paying enough taxes on it, these are the things you're like, holy crap, this isn't just a simple case of, you know, they were making, you know, 40 bucks every week cash under the table or they weren't declaring the tips correctly. That's not what we're talking about anymore. We're talking about people who no. are saying, no, like Clarence I have Thomas. money. <laughs> exactly. Oh my God. <laughs> like you the have the we're trying to catch the Clarence Thomases of Canada. We're trying to do yeah. that ostensibly. Yeah. Well, this is my favorite, my favorite exercise for anyone who's actually curious. Go on Reddit. Personal Finance Canada, one of the best subreddits for just minimum financial literacy and just search the terms haven't paid my taxes and just search that and you will get hundreds of requests of people saying, I haven't paid my taxes in 15 years. What do I do? And you have an outpouring of responses that are usually along the lines of file your friggin' taxes, you are actually probably owed money. What were you doing the last 15 years? I worked in a factory mm. and I just haven't ever filed my taxes. You know what the funny thing is? CRA doesn't penalize you when they owe you money. They penalize you when you owe them money. Like Correct. it's, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. a very funny, it's a kind of a funny system, but it's it, it makes sense because they're like, well, we owe you money. You just have to come and collect it. In the other, in the other instance, it's, oh, you haven't, you haven't settled a balance of, you owing us money, but you've paid and you have you've received a T four every single year 
That's your Canadian tax document. You've 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 received a T four O N A B Q C whatever the hell it might be yeah, for yeah. province T four one whatever it is for your province. You've received one every single year. You've never filed your taxes. Yeah, you might be owed a little bit of money by the CRA. And further, and I and I have to press this because it's actually kind of impressive for any government, but at least the Canadian one. Your digital CRA portal actually has a tab. Everyone should know this. That is called money owing to you. <laughs> Checks uncashed. Check it, check it out. Because, because previous governments have GST credits that you might be eligible for. Previous, tr- tr- if you're an Ontarian, the trillion benefit from 2008 to 2015, I believe, you have money that the government owes you if you didn't meet a minimum income threshold. Wait, are you saying I could have money sitting in there and I don't you even know? You quite it. literally have money sitting in your CRA account. And what? all you have to do is go onto your digital My CRA account, log in and say uncashed checks. It's a button on the bottom right. Why? Because the government doesn't make a habit of forgetting. They make They try to keep a good tally. Partisan party agnostic, policy agnostic. Yeah, they understand that they are the revenue generators of the country, so they want to balance the books every year. You're making a good point about why we should have a robust number of staff members working at the CRA. Then, because yes, and we should retain them because when people get get money every year, and then we fire a bunch of people from the CRA and all of a sudden they don't get money, they're going to wonder what's happened. They're going to say, you know what? I get money every year. Why didn't I get any money this year? What's happening? And that creates distrust in the system, which I think is obviously in, the, in this case will be will be bad. Let me give you an even wider one. Let me give you one that you won't even notice. We have the Canadian Pension Plan and it is one of the most well-run financial investments on the planet, like in the top 10 best run financial investment managers on the planet, mm-hmm. the Canadian pension fund, uh, Canadian pension plan fund. And the CRA is partially responsible for you contributing to the Canadian pension plan because they realize, you know, back in what the fifties that Oh, people aren't putting money away from retirement, but when they stop working, what do they get? Oh, yeah, they need yep. a pension plan. Yep. It, like a very simple concept. You're going to need money when you're old. We will force you to allocate money for when you're old. The bare minimum in an investment fund that is one of the most well-run on the planet. That alone is one of the responsibilities of the CRA to ensure that you pay into the Canadian pension plan. And that is something that both the employees of the CRA and the people paying into it do not realize the benefit of until they retire. So you can be mad that you have to pay your pension plan contributions, but ultimately it is on the state. It is on a, a, a statistical probability that you are shit at planning two weeks ahead, four weeks ahead, yep. 40 years ahead. Like so we're going to make sure you do. I think it's like yeah. 69% of Canadians don't have pensions. So, so it's like, we're going to freaking do it for, for all you. those. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and and what's funny is that there the conservatives and liberals benefit from this alike. It's not like CPP just goes to liberals or NDPers or, or no. PC or whatever. You know, it's like, no, the, liberal, it's the liberals actually one. increased the contributions uh, this past year or in 2023. They increased the contributions this year. Why? Because they said inflation is going yeah. to get worse and your cost of living is going to be higher. We recommend that you pay more into it. Why? Because in 30 years, or if you're retiring in 30 years, 
if you don't start paying more now, the interest that you could make on that money is not going to be there for you to actually feed yourself. Do you like cat food or do you like tuna? Let's oh, get people don't, tuna. People don't understand compound interest. And what I heard was it was on average like $87 a person. I think I could be wrong about that. It was something very minute. It was like, we're going to increase it X amount. And people went fucking liberals. It's like, do you understand what the compound interest is on 30 years of paying into your CPP? I don't think you do because you're, well, you're dumb. I just, it is, it is always, no, it's not even that dumb. It's so hard. It's so hard to materialize. I actually really do think it's so hard to chew on. Ice cream now, like ice cream in a week. You know what I mean? Like, yes, like that. You're like, well, it's taking money out of my, it's like, no, but. I promise you, humans are bad at many things. One of them is planning, and another one of them is thinking that they're invincible. And when you are elderly, you are neither good at being invincible or realizing the benefits of your plans. Any plan you had when you were 22, I guarantee you it changed when you were 23. At the very least when you were 23, maybe 22 and a half. That's the point. So to ladder this back. Twitter cutting a bunch of things is a mirror of the things that could the, – the, the, the doom that any sort of institution can face when you just mass cut, when you take a machete to an organization or institution. I think this is an easy segue to make. There is an idea called rising tide raises all boats. I hate it. It's just too, too reductive a concept. But I, I imagine that – the lowest paid federal workers pushing for a pay increase to meet not only wage the inflation that has reduced their wages, but also to be at a, at a standard where they can afford to live near the places where they work is good for pretty much everybody oh, totally. except the incredibly wealthy, which I don't give a fuck. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, honestly, I don't give a fuck. I, I, I excuse the language, but I don't give a damn about households over two hundred fifty grand a year. They'll be fine. Oh, I yeah. guarantee you, they're gonna oh, be yeah. fine. Yeah. yeah, household incomes of two hundred fifty k more, you're gonna be okay. You have options. You have so many options. Your single worker who is renting and is like fifty five k a year has like no options they have like zero zero yeah they have take on debt or be poor that's it it's like you have that's it that's all take on debt yeah that's it and the debt right now to take on debt is very expensive so okay so we should move on from this because i could talk about this all day um what are some other things i wanted to touch on or we wanted to touch on here oh the uh don lemon and um this is a terrible segue don lemon and Tucker Carlson both being let go from their respective um, CNN, Alex, Don Lemon, let's and just pour Fox one out for the, the million, yeah, millionaire anchors not having their jobs anymore. This is tough. This is tough. We'll so people are, like, people are like, oh, this is kind of the same thing. Nope. No, no it's not. not. It's, is, it's not at all. Not, no, not from this my, is a false dichotomy. Yeah. So they're like, you know, oh, all news media is the same, but no, no, it's not. I think. Um, that Fox just gave away $787 million to settle a suit, which ostensibly some of the major anchors on their show, or a problem, sorry, that they that the major anchors on their show created. That it, This has to bleed into the way what why Tucker's gone, which interesting about Tucker Carlson is on Friday when he did his show. I don't watch it because it's 
it's trash. Um, he signed off and he's like, oh, so we'll see you Monday. Like, it's clear Tr- Tucker had no idea that he would not be back on Monday. And there's the shot in Friday. Oh, he yeah. didn't know. Yeah, he didn't mm. even know. Uh, so he mm. he signed off, clearly thought he was going to be back Monday. And then, you know, Fox released a statement saying, uh, yeah, no, he's not going to be back. Uh, we've parted ways. And his last show was the last one you saw on Friday. So they, I mean, again, I don't think there's any love lost here. Now, I did mention I think this could go bad, and I think you agree. But I don't know if we agree on the ways and what and how it could go bad. I think that Tucker Carlson could become something like an Alex Jones. React. Like, is this the same thing you were thinking? I, we didn't talk about this before we started we, recording. We so. so this is um, – so, so my answer to you is fundamentally yes. So yeah. what you yeah. and and even and even honestly it's like an alignment of stars. Okay. So here's let me lay it out for you. I'll try to be quick. Yeah. Um massive litigation they Fox News settles. Uh oh, they, they have statements. Yeah. They, they have gonna statements. have to, they're gonna have to be unpantsed in front of they, yeah. they knew that. There's like, no, no, they we don't want to go to court. We're gonna put people on the stands and be bad, so we're gonna settle. Yeah. And that's exactly we'll settle. what happened here. Yeah. $787 million. One of, I think, three outstanding litigations against Fox. Oh, yeah. This is only the first. Yeah. Not, this is the first of like three. Yeah. Two, one other is from another voting systems company. Smartmatic. Who, Smartmatic. Yeah. Who lost contracts because of potentially of misinformation spread by Fox. So they are getting they're getting ready for the next round of settling, saying, look, yeah. we've changed. We've like we fired that guy who said all that stuff. Like, yes. Honestly, it would just be so great though, just to see, you know, Sean Hannity and Laura Angerham die in a car crash. Just it would be so great. It was just like <laughs> I want to see Hannity and Ingram both fired next. That honestly would make fired. It, fired would be a pleasantry. I want like I want I want <laughs> Satan and Mephisto themselves to just. To oversee the painful airbag-induced death of their necks just twisting around. Because honestly, and allegedly, I'm not wishing death upon them. I'm just saying in in Diablo 5, 4, whatever one we're at now, in (laughs) the next Diablo, Diablo, whatever the next, I think it's Diablo 4, in Diablo 4, they could create two bosses that are more evil than the literal devil. And I think they have the two inspirations for those characters. Because there, mm-hmm. there is there is fallen angels because I didn't agree with, you know, the the tyrant God. But yeah. then there's people who literally like spread misinformation that leads to people killing each other. So what is more evil? Yeah. I w- on a on a on a measure of evil, I, I'm not even gonna Kantian. There is no static evil. There are different levels of evil, and that one <clears throat> is definitely more evil. But the the, the Tucker Carlson one. You might have a look, look, we're doing good. We got rid of one of the most inflammatory people. Yeah. But I just, I got a sneaking suspicion that there's going to be a, a new show opened by a shell corporation called like Fact Wars. And the <laughs> 50 million person a month audience that Tucker Carlson has is going to be a rising yeah. star on Fact Wars News Nightly. Oh, if we don't Murdoch's sense to, of understanding, I, I like, think he's going to AON or Newsmax because that what he does lives best on a platform that 
is like that. That is a very high level of conspiratorial thinking that has that type of crowd. So I, I feel like there's a couple options here. One is that he goes to Newsmax or AON, which is one no America One News or what the fuck do they stand for? OAN? I don't know what they are. It doesn't matter. America, America yeah, America, one, so, America News or maybe o, OAN. I think that's what it is. Anyway, yeah. I feel like there's the room for him to do that, or he's going to become like a like a you know a, a, a get his own show. Where, so and uh, yeah, do that, I, I produce have. it on his own. There is no there is no shortage of people who will want to work with Tucker Carlson to make this happen. Uh, that's the reality have, of it. I have to say something begrudgingly complimentary. <clears throat> uh oh, how dare you for for advertising revenue and eyeballs alone? Tucker Carlson is bigger than Newsmax and OAN combined. Oh, oh is, I don't disagree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he is unfortunately. <laughs> a cult fellowship all to his own and he will i'm i'm just trying to picture that like high level that high like that corporate firing right yeah and all i can imagine is because we as the public we only get to ingest what everybody else tells us right but i can only imagine in my most you know movie scene-esque kind of picture of how that conversation went down was don't worry you'll be taken care of we're getting rid of you now but we are like there Mm -hmm. is an expectation that i'm sure you have tuck and also that we have murdoch family and fox news enterprises that what we're going to do is ultimately ensure that you are set up in what ever next endeavor we provide for you and Fucking a silent sad. a silent tuck for the next let's say three months let's say three months and three settlements to the tune of let's call it let's call it out 2.1 billion let's say they do three splits they do three settlements they okay, play hold on I, I gotta i gotta interject here because i don't i al franken doesn't think that the dominion voting case no, sorry, the Smartmatic software case, that may not be heard for another, it could be as long as 18 months to two years. So that, okay, that, there we go. that smart, oh. Smartmatic one is a, for like something crazy, like two point something billion. And cool. the the Dominion one was for like 1.6. So, so we may not see that one even litigated until for another 18 months or something. Like and that. It's so a, just, and uh, again, so we're talking about another civil opinion. case, right? So it's it just next week. I'm just saying, yeah. They don't have to admit wrongdoing. They just have to either go to trial to pay out or, or yeah. settle and pay out. So there's, there's the nuance. They'll yeah. do discoveries for some amount of do time. They'll figure out. Yeah, we fucked then, up. Yeah, yeah. We fucked up. And then we'll get yeah. more of the discovery of like, holy shit, he said that? So <laughs> yeah, it could be a little bit of a getting ahead. I, I don't know yet. But I really do think this is pre-damage control. And then ultimately, it's like, what was it? What what Final Fantasy VII Ultima weapon had three forms? Or like, <laughs> like no, that wasn't it. Sephiroth had three forms. Sephiroth was it Sephiroth yeah. had three forms. Yeah, so it's like Sephiroth, zero Sephiroth, and then it, it was Sephiroth. it was something I like them. the f- I was like, like his first form, then like a half angel form, then a. Than a normal form. Yeah, you're right. Sephiroth, yeah, yeah. one winged angel, and then like zero Sephiroth or whatever like the that. hell it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. We're at, we're about to approach one winged angel Tucker Carlson. Okay. And we don't even know what it is yet. We just know that that boss fight's coming up. 
Sure. Then when we get to that's not even his final form. We have a level <laughs> of yeah, we have a level of like anime understanding where don't worry, Tuck's going to be around for a while, and this is not the last one. My my direct comparison is that clearly Bill O'Reilly was not a Japanese anime boss because it only took several hundred sexual assault claims and that knocked him right out of the media. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Tuck clearly an asexual thumb he just is immune to any sort of scandal that way he plays it too close to the chest as in he sleeps in a water pod and he just <laughs> he just spews nonsense and belligerence i guarantee you this is not his final form that's no, how i feel I, I, yeah i agree with you man i think that we we the the worst is yet to come as they say yes you know yeah, yeah. totally yeah I, I love saying that at birthdays yeah it's great <laughs> uh what was i saying about don birthdays? lemon don lemon oh, is yeah. the oh so don lemon okay so don lemon the, i don't it's not clear to me why exactly don lemon was let go but there was two incidents which people are pointing to which i kind of thought about and i i think i feel like i've been misinterpreted i can't be the first person to feel this way um he, one of the ones that people are citing as the reason he got canned was that he was talking to this Indian dude. I don't know what his name was, but um, this guy was trying to, he's clearly a Republican. They were getting in a bit of an, a heated argument on this, which to me, I like, I, I think the role of the journalist is to sort of push back on people who are saying bullshit or, or telling lies or misrepresenting the facts. So to me in this one clip, I, I can't, again, I wish I was more literate here and I, remembered what it was anyway he pushed back a little too hard and he he is seen taking his earpiece out and telling i guess his producer i can't i can't talk to this guy while you're talking in my ear and takes his earpiece out i guess that's a big no-no so that might be one of the one of the the markers for why he was let go or, or people are getting frustrated with him then there's another clip where he talks about nikki haley being past her prime and a lot of feminists right. took this as being like against women and i i i was more generous with the way what he was talking about nikki haley is often very critical of joe biden and how joe biden is old and he's past his prime and politicians who are past their prime should be put out to pasture and they shouldn't be in government anymore and however you feel about joe biden's age and him being president and then again he's running again now he's going to be the democratic nominee whether you like it or not it that so saying that is ageist number one and mm -hmm. two, it's just a trope that conservatives in the United States use to point out that they don't like Biden, right? So it's now I'll give you an example of how they did this in Canada. They're like Justin's hair. Oh, oh, look at Justin Trudeau's hair. Your hair has literally nothing to do with your ability to govern. So this see, see, see Biden's TV news old Lisa, Lisa, yeah. Lisa Laflamme. Lisa Laflamme. Yeah. She's past her prime. She even claimed she's like, this is sexist. This is ageist. Yeah, I, I totally agree. CTV, yeah. CTV, yeah, CTV News National denied it. They yeah. said, no, we just think, you know, we want to appeal to younger audiences. And she's just like, yeah, probably because you pay me too much. And my agent got me a sweet Exactly. Deal, right? Okay. So Nikki Haley likes to go on. Again, this is the crux of why Don Lemon might have been fired or terminated or why his co-host might have, you know, and I think this is fucking stupid if this is the reason, but again, I no one knows for sure right now. He said with two female co-hosts in front of him, yeah, well, Nikki Haley, Haley should be careful about making jokes about people being past their prime because, you know, like the internet says, women are in their prime in their 20s, 30s, and 40s, and Nikki Haley's older than that. 
And his two co-hosts kind of went like, what are you saying? And he's like, I- I'm not saying there that she is past her prime. I'm saying by the metrics of the internet, the way they measure prime, the internet says she's not. She's she's not in her prime. So she should be careful about making statements about Joe Biden. Now, he was he was in a left-handed way trying to defend Joe Biden to say, so what if he's old? Like, what does it matter, right? Like, and if you live in a glass house, you shouldn't throw stones. That's I think that's what he, the case he was trying to make. And then it was like, Don Lemons against wit thinks women that are not in their prime and for the 2030s and 40s. And it's like, this guy's literally the leftist, most lefty left guy you could ever imagine. I, there's no way he said that. Like, that's not what he meant. From my point of view, I don't think that's what he meant. And I don't think Don Lemon would needlessly insult women on the show. I just, I, I don't think that's what he was doing. But it doesn't matter now. Yeah. Don Lemon, he's been ousted from CNN. He's been right? ousted, so yeah. We're not yeah, going to know really. Sorry, yeah. He's been fired. Yeah. To, in and apparently they fired. told him, his agent told him, he didn't even, they didn't, apparently they didn't even say, listen, we're letting you go. Here's why. They just called his agent and said, your, your, your guy's fired. Tell him. You know, so this is. Uh, I'm really hoping this is. Um, yeah, and I, and I hate to be like so v corporatismo on this one, but I really hope this is like six new executives on the CNN side. They just went through their, you know, their bonus spree end of last year, and then one of them had okay. this like crazy idea where they're just like you know, six new junior executives are just like, Hey, what if we like, we should really make some moves. Like we should really push for our agenda. Like, what should we do? And they're like, let's fire somebody. That's how you demonstrate power. And then like, it was just like, who can we fire? And they're like, who's got the most scandalous shit that anyone has said. And you know, it's CNN. So it doesn't matter what you do. You're just like, well, we're CNN. We can do whatever we want. We're executives of CNN. Let's do something nuts. And then another executive is just like, let's fire Don Lemon. Like, let's the gay, the gay black man. Let's fire the gay black. That's what we should do. He's like literally the most marginalized group at CNN. Let's fire him. That's a good idea. I would have fired Anderson Cooper. No, I would have fired Wolf Blitzer. No, I would have. No, I no, I, I take that back. Wolf Blitzer. Hold on. We should uh, fire. Everyone should get to fire Wolf Blitzer once I, in their life. Right? Yeah, I actually, I think, it's I think he's a puppet these days, and he uh, honestly... I don't see any he, expression on his face. He's dead inside. <laughs> when... <laughs> when I, I think we... We were like we realized that like ah you know remember those like old ventriloquist dummy puppets that we all kind of just said culturally like this isn't cool this is more scary than nice totally you know how do you do Wolf Blitzer well, yeah Wolf Blitzer yeah. is now only the coolness of his name because it is so outrageous like, <laughs> yeah, <I'm Wolf> Blitzer. <laughs> and then you actually listen to him talk and you're like oh oh that. Oh, he's he's reading direct from the teleprompter. Oh, there's and nothing not, there. And, there's not well. There. Like he's no. just literally reading out loud, not <laughs> presenting the information being given <laughs> no, to him. He's, he's literally anchor man. He's yes. literally he's a literal yes. anchor man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is. It's actually. I'm sorry for for all of our Canadian. We'll put listeners, that question mark there. Yeah, he will literally uh, say whatever you on the prompter. Great setup, Adam McKay, by it. the way. Great setup for the fall of a hero. But I think for all of our Canadian listeners, if you get like, you know, if you have 15 minutes, you're you're you just smoked a joint and you're you're on your like you're on your your way to high, 
just put on best of wolf wolf blitzer like mix-ups because it, pl- it it plays like bush in his prime like it is <laughs> actually it. it's friggin' hilarious because wolf blitzer actually just reads a prompter and that's his job and like for a guy that probably used to be a journalist on the calendar of or, or sorry of the caliber of um I don't know who's that mustachioed guy on Fox News. Oh, I totally forget. Probably like Michael Pollan or um, he used to do real investigative journalism, probably. But yeah, yeah. But now not, he's not just today. No. he's he's the old kind of like we're still appealing to an audience over seventy five. Like that's that's who he is. And this is where I will get happily ageist, and I'll say there is a time when you are actually no longer to do the job. It, oh, in yeah. uh, in our yeah. fa- in our father's words, if you can no longer carry the bag. When you head to the ice, you no longer put the skates on. Like yeah, it's, 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 your hockey it's, career is done. Yeah, your hockey totally. career is done. Yeah. And he's just like, if, you can, if I can't carry my bag anymore, I shouldn't get on the ice. You know, so that, okay, to that, point, just, that piece of advice may change soon. I'm, I'm yeah, telling you, course. all yeah. of a sudden he's going to get a rolly bag and go, he's gonna oh, you know, I won it in a tournament. Didn't want it to go to waste or some bullshit. Should have like done that. this ten yeah, years yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah, totally. totally. Which is yeah. which is what it's what every elderly person should do. They yes. should fight to remain. Now, Wolfie, on the other hand, has lost his bark and his bite. It is now actually replaceable <laughs> by an AI, and that's <laughs> totally. what like we could actually just get Wolf to read a few paragraphs, and we'll just have him, his voice, and his expressionless face on the news forever now no, we can bring him back like tupac we can make him do mj dances anything yeah, you want yeah. because wolfie is basically he's done which is I good i feel the like cnn probably owns his image right now and could actually just present us with an ai that looks exactly like wolf blitzer and just says they probably own his voice too he's you know what oh. you know is wolf blitzer even a real a real person we don't even I, know i would i'm just i'm gonna start a a, uh, a conspiracy theory right now. Does <laughs> Wolf Blitzer exist? Exist. <laughs> I think. I th- oh, you know what it is. Who am I thinking of? Walter 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 Cronkite. That's the way it is. Like that to me is like they didn't have it in his contract that they could use his voice, face, and image as mm-hmm. intellectual property ad nauseum. But that would have been that would have awesome. been great. Just get a, yeah. a digital Walter Cron- Cronkite to replace Wolf Blitzer. The news would be fun again. That's just make th- make news great again. Minaga. <laughs> 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 oh fuck. Okay, we gotta get off yeah. this topic because I there's yeah. something I we've, just I we've gone far it, in the field. We've gone it far in the field. Just happened right now in the last couple of hours it just uh, i just saw it in the news so i'm going to get your oh, dead reaction to it shit. okay yeah okay. i know, i know what this is and unfortunately we've seen it happen already in a different institution so let me um alex just because i want to try to enjoy this a little bit let okay. me pour myself another drink because <laughs> <laughs> i know exact let's get a little cork noise in there squeak, oh squeak squeak so this one's for Harry Belafonte and uh, essentially all marginalized groups across Canada, or I guess at least Ontario. Uh, Ontario for sure. So the con- current government in Ontario is conservative. It's the Ford government. We talked about probably a lot on this podcast. They are bringing legislation to the floor that would scrap post-secondary requirements 
post-secondary school requirements for police officers in the province. Adam, (laughs) what's your feeling on this? So, (laughs) I I don't even know where to begin here. This might be a final topic because it's so meaty, but yeah. So meaty. Do you want me to say, I have the darkest place to start. Oh, I want want to go there because it's going to, it will devolve into that anyway. So, you might as well forecast it for us right here. Okay, uh, I'll try. I'll be quick on this one. Um, I'm like a in shoes, six foot five, or sorry, six foot nothing. My father's six foot five. I'm I'm an in shoes, six foot white guy. Okay. Yep. My experience with law enforcement has been, I want to say, like. What's the worst? What's the worst thing that's ever happened to you with a cop? Worst, worst thing a cop has ever done to me is point a gun at me and say, don't move or else it's about to get messy. Oh, that's right. I did. I remember yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> I was a teenager. I was a teenager and I was at a at a house party for a girl, Hillary H. I won't use her last name, but hey, <laughs> Hill H. I hope you're doing well. I don't know, I don't know if you're even alive. Um, and it was it was her parents' home and her parents said, we've moved out. Everything's out of the house. You can't break anything. If you want to throw a party, go for it. You have the house. If you so want to get media, get it. Get it. Go for it. And her parents gave her daughter the keys. We we're 16, 17 years old. We all go over to their, her her empty house that her parents still owned before they moved. And so we hold on, hold on. There were no chairs there. There were no chairs. Where the fuck we were you guys going to sit? Like, this isn't... You were standing and drinking. That, it was... Yeah, this sounds cool, but there's nothing to lean on. There's no chairs. Yeah, like. we, we brought a foldy table. We played beer pong. It was great. Okay. But okay. ultimately, it devolved into a neighbor making a complaint and six squad cars rolling up to the house. And I was fixing the the breaker at the time in the basement because we blew the breaker with, our, with like, someone brought, like, big-ass speakers. And we blew the breaker and I was in the basement fixing the breaker. And then I see a bunch of like, see the pearlies. I see the, the red and the red cherries. And blues. Yep. The cherries. Thank you. And I'm like, oh, crap. The cops are here. I better like, oh, there's a door outside from the basement. I'll You're like, I'm outside. Adam. I'll go up and I'm, talk to them. And they'll I'll go up me. and talk to them. I'm yeah. like, it's I, me as a as a white teenager. I'm just <laughs> like, it's the voice. I will just go I'll just go and talk to them. That is my impression as a white boy teenager. And I walk up to the police and then I am told to freeze. Don't move or this is going to get messy. And I proceeded to almost shit my pants and say, you, you freezed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I freezed. I, you I, were I very frozen. Yeah. Yeah. And then two officers grabbed me by the arms and they put my arms behind my back. And I said, she owns the house. Why are you here? And they proceeded to escort me to the front door where I was introduced to our only, uh, all of our friends were there and majority of them were white. And our only brown friend, Sagar, had an officer's boot on his head and his arm put behind his back, restraining him like he was a threat. And I walked in two officers with just their hands on my wrists and I didn't think anything of it that day, but clearly perception of threat is something that I got to deal with firsthand. And what do the officers realize immediately? Well, one, their buddy who pulled a gun on a teenager made a mistake. And then two, they need to start apologizing to Sagar near immediately. The sergeant, I believe, came in and he said, what is actually going on here? 
and Hillary proceeded to describe, hey, yeah. uh, I, my parents still own this house. Would you like sure. me to call them and tell you? And the officers realized that they had made a mistake. An officer that thankfully knew my family said, would you like me to drive you home? And I said, oh, what a coincidence. <laughs> I actually know a police officer who, holy shit, this is why I walked out not thinking there was a threat. I was just like, oh, an officer I know. Yes, please drive me home. My father's going to kill me, but please tell him it's not my fault. He knows I'm here right now. Officer drove me home. Father looks at me and says, what the hell did you do? And I said, actually nothing. And the officer says, he actually did nothing. And I'm like, sweet, everybody wins. That was my experience and perception of the police. And the worst police incident I had ever had in my entire life, my entire experience of law enforcement for the, for the remainder of my life up until this day has been be clear, be concise, express facts. I don't need to be afraid of them. Sure. That is my experience of law enforcement. I know cops. I have friends who have dear friends that are police officers, as assuming as a paramedic, Alex, you know, many police officers. And I only know the side of law enforcement that I can actually express as being a citizen that is six feet and white. And I would assume that my experience is unique to my kind of aesthetic because I have friends who have very different tales of being on a park bench waiting for their Uber and a police officer shows up. I have friends who are getting in or out of a taxi in downtown Toronto and their experience of police officers is very different. Somehow they looked like a threat that was currently broadcasted on the streets. I don't have to tell you that they were darker skinned. They were black. They were they, one was a dark-skinned Filipino, a buddy of mine. Their experience of law enforcement has been, be afraid, you are the threat. Yeah. And I can only imagine that the education standard for an officer needing to be high is it so at the very least they get some sort of exposure yeah. to other thoughts, other ideologies, other cultures, other experiences. Okay, let's break any that down. Lowering, <clears throat> any lowering of that threshold, I can I can say again cynically, likely does not endanger me, but it definitely endangers it my endangers friends. People. Yeah, a hundred percent. Okay. That I'm glad you just that's very astute that you brought this up because the Canadian military, what is your intuition? I'm asking the question, so there's an obvious answer here. The Canadian military, you you enter it. And what do you think the way to advance is? Do you think it's getting older or being more educated? Seniority is a dangerous game to play over merit. Correct. So you can't become a corporal or a sergeant or a sergeant major or a major or a, a battalion commander. You can't do any of those things without having higher education. Yeah. You might say, well, why? Okay, because, and this is going to bother people to hear this, when you have, when you are exposed to more education, you take on, you have a more critical mind. You are able to critically think. This is the hallmark of why we, and we could do a whole podcast on this, why the education system in some countries is very broken. Because an educated public is able to critically think. And that's what the Canadian military wants. They want people who can critically think, who can slow things down, 
who can say, okay, hold on, is it obvious that X is happening and should our response be Y, right? That's what education gives you. Yep. Go can ahead. I give you a direct example? Direct example from a friend of mine who listens to the podcast, shout out to Colonial Foot Soldier, um, a former military man who on our episode on the principles of triage was actually trained as a field officer on the mass casualty kit. When explaining the fundamental principles of a mass casualty kit in tagging the bodies that you cannot deal with, black tag, you are given, given training as an officer. Remember the people that you are overseeing might not be ready to be see that, like to see that level of chaos yep. and basic, like just loss of life. Yeah. So in explaining to them the uses of a mass casualty, a mass casualty kit, be it's like they didn't. I don't think the military said this to him, but he's a bright guy. He's just like there is an immense amount of sensitivity you have to have when you tell five other people to go mark the dead bodies. It's like yeah. that's just a fundamental thing. He's just like I've never had to think think of having to experience that as a human being. And then totally. having to explain it to five other human beings. Yeah. And also it's chaotic around you. Like that's okay. So you're making it you're making, a part you're, of education. You're making this part better. It's like being able to recognize that your words have an impact, that your actions, however small, impact people, right? That comes with time, right? So age. And it comes with education and people will deny this. People will say, you know, I, I, I never went to post-secondary. I never went to college. I never went to university and I make X money and I'm very good at what I do. And I would say, that's great. I'm, 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 I'm happy for you. That doesn't mean that you're ready to be to, for me to put a weapon in your hand and go police the streets of Toronto. You're just not like, uh, and I know that because I've been in the industry long enough, and I know that even at at my level, at two decades of practice in medicine, I'm not ready to have a gun in my hand, and I'm not an idiot, right? I have I'm post-secondary. Not, you have I'm post-secondary not, education. Not, so it's like, it. exactly. Okay, so we, we arrive at our point here is that the provincial government thinks that because we need more police for what, I'm not yes. sure what yet. Because we, we need more police. Volume equals safety. Yes. We, we are going to lower the education standards to get into policing. Now, uh, it immediately should be obvious to anyone listening to this. If you lower the education standards for anyone to get into a program, right? So I, I, I'm, I, there's, a, there's a safety net here. I'm going to get to it. But why, why would you want anybody who doesn't meet the current standards to get in? Right, it's like I well, want all neuro. You know what? Neurosurgery is really hard, Adam. We're gonna. We need more neurosurgeons. We're gonna Alex. have to start getting neurosurgeons who didn't quite make the cut. We're gonna lower the but bar I, for fucking brain surgery. It's like what? Isn't that the thing? Clearly, we don't have enough applicants into for the for being a police officer that we need to lower the standards of letting police officers in. But I'm sorry. I smell something a little bit that smells like bullshit. Isn't there like a 10 to 1, 15 to 1 application rate for police officers in every region in Ontario because it is a well-paying job with great Correct. benefits Correct. and a pension? Yes. So 
the education standard is actually the metric by which you say, once you meet these criteria, we will even look at hiring you. Correct. Yeah. Well, in some cases. Okay. So there's two streams here, right? I, when I was 27, 28, I had an OPP recruiter come up to me. Um, oh, snap. When I, the, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. The medic police officer. What are you friggin' yeah. you're like a military you're, medic? You're, at this point? A police, uh, police medic. I'll beat you to life with my wellness stick. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a meme. Um, so okay. continue until morale improves. <laughs> uh, I'll raise your blood pressure with a swift beating kick, a boot kick. So I had this OPP recruiter come to me and say, uh, how long have you been working? I said, oh, you know, I've been, been medic for eight, eight, nine years now. And he said, oh, how old are you? I said, oh, I mean, I'm on my way to 30. He goes, yeah, you know, the OPP is looking for guys like you. I said, oh, what do you mean like me? And he goes, well, we're looking for guys who've been in emergency services for some amount of time. Uh, you know, you've aged into it. So you're not in, you're not 20. You, you've had some, you have some life under you now. You're closer to 30. And, uh, you know, you seem like a reasonable dude. And, uh, you know, I was dealing with this guy on a, like this OPP, OPP officer on a call, Ontario Provincial Police Officer on a call. And he could see that I was a level headed guy and I wasn't, you know, being rash in my decision making. So he goes, you know, we, we're really looking for guys like you. Okay. So what does that mean? Well, okay, I've already ha- completed some post-secondary education or secondary, yeah, post-secondary education, and I'm now about thirty years old. So I've aged into the into a, I, I'm reasonable. I'm not shoot first, ask, ask ask questions later. Do you know who would do that? People who have no education. People who have never been in a tense situation. People who you give them a Blue gun and all of a sudden they think Ontario. This is on the. On the, I have seen a lot of bad ideas by this government, by the Ford government. This is especially bad, right? We have something called OPC in Ontario. Are you familiar with it? Ontario Police College? No. Ontario Police Generally, no. you, you graduate from high school. police academy only less funny? It's essentially the police academy with, with literally no humor. Um, yeah. And I know uh, several guys who've gone through it. Now, OPC is something that they send guys like me through. Okay, I'm 41. Let's say I want to become a police officer. They're like, you know what? You're going to go to OPC. When you're done, you're going to have a job. That's it. What we have for the stream of kids who are who are coming out of high school is something called Police Foundations. You may have heard of this course before. It's a college mm-hmm. course. It's two years long. What it does is it gives the foundation. It lays the foundation for what policing really should be and and why it's important. Because you don't want to put the gun in the hands of a 19 year old fresh out of high school. That's a bad idea. No, you know, that's what you do for soldiers, like a good <laughs> Russian dictator. That's <laughs> back to the Canadian military. The Canadian mil- again, policing is slightly is really gets a lot of its taste from militarization from up from the Canadian military. And a lot of guys who leave the military go into policing. Actually, so the OPP and the RCMP are are replete with guys who were once uh, were were in the Canadian army. So. And it's you an can entire tell, movie. LA, LA Confidential is it's just, it's, yeah. that, that's like, and, it's a and great you can movie. Tell Watch. Immediately, when you're dealing with some idiot who's police foundations who just got into policing or a Canadian Armed Forces soldier, you can immediately tell. I could tell you on a balance, I could be 99% certain on the guys that I deal with on a daily basis. I could tell you who's in the military. So, because why? They're smart, they're older, they're more patient, they have a way of speaking to people that respects that they're humans and that they're individuals, right? Where the other guy, the oh, the guy who just went to police foundations, then went to OPC and is now a police officer, he's waving his gun around and he he has power and you must respect my power, right? 
So again, if the Canadian military doesn't want uneducated guys putting a gun in their hands and going out and potentially making life or death decisions, why would we want that as a as as the standard for our police in our province? We wouldn't, we wouldn't send that to another country. No. Why would we? Why would we like like? There's a, and that's a great that's why, a great why assessment. Why would you want that on the street? Like why like want it for Afghan Afghan. You know, the people in Afghanistan, right? Afghans. I don't want it for wherever, see, in Sierra Leone or the Congo, Belgian Congo. I, I don't want this for those or people. Or Bosnia, or yeah, I don't want this for any Iran. people. I don't want to no. export that mentality. But yeah. I certainly want fucking better for me. I'm you're, I'm a citizen. I'm the one who gave, uh, my tax dollars put you through that system. So I want better than we're giving other countries. Unfortunately, the Ford government thinks, no, you're going to get worse. And honestly, I'm going to say that there is a, the sentiment in Ontario right now is, and I don't know if you're going to agree with this or not, that if you are white and male, you cannot be a cop because they're quote unquote, looking for visual, uh, visible minorities and women to be police officers. And whatever you think about equity, diversity, inclusion, however, that plays into the system. I'm going to tell you that the majority, vast majority of police that I know are all white males. They just are. So the idea that they're they that that policing wants more visible minorities, that could be true, but it's just certainly not what I've seen in two decades of emergency services. I have not seen those people. So I think that the Ford government thinks that they're doing something like they said this, we're removing barriers for people to apply to policing. And what I think they're saying is, telegraphing, is that it's okay to be white and male and just out of high school and want a job with policing. I think that's what they're, they're – there's an underlying anti-woke kind of messaging here. I can't confirm it, but that when I heard it, it immediately triggered that in my mind because conservatives hate the woke, right? Go woke and go broke. This is like their new fucking slogan. It's totally crazy, but I – this is my intuition. What's your so, what's your thoughts on that? This is and this is so again that that fearful sense of of in, injustice and prejudice. I've never experienced. It's just a friggin' yeah. a six foot on a good day, goofy looking white guy. The prejudice because I think that actually backfeeds and into this a little bit. This, this is the problem, and I and I am relying on the experiences I've had with law enforcement with what I could only assume is the minimum level of education I could expect from my law enforcement and also the, the tragedy of experience for my law enforcement. Like there is, there is, there's, what is it? Moral, moral damage, moral harm. There oh, is uh, definitely. Uh, oh my God. Moral injury. Moral injury. There is clearly moral injury to that job. And I would hope that there is a level of experience in each of the officers I've ever encountered that allows them to deal with moral injury effectively. But that does not discount the very isolated and and like blinders view I have through my experience with law enforcement where I still feel invincible when yeah. I talk to law enforcement, because the, the cops are who I can call for help. Now, granted, I know quite a few lawyers, so I always know a lawyer up, and I know quite a few. I've, I've known a few cops over the years, so I don't actually 
talk to them when they're in uniform. I actually prefer yeah. to talk to them when they're not in uniform. And that experience alone gives me context enough that, hey, law enforcement is actually about quite literally the enforcement of the law from that perspective of how to enforce that law yeah. in that situation. Now, if I am a goofy looking white guy, I guarantee you that all of the law enforcement I've dealt with looks at me and they say, baggy eyes or none, heroin skinny, like I used to be in my 20s, like, or not. They do not look at me like a threat on a balance of no. probabilities. Well, but my my well, good buddy, now. Brandon, what, what? 19, a 19 or 20, let's say a 21 year old cop doesn't look at you as a threat. So there's right? the thing. Yeah. There's the thing. 19, yeah. 20 year old look like it's a cop a new cop let's say new cop 21 oh, cop. yeah we've just brand he's come up under this program it's, it's a one-year program at opc one program, program now and he looks at me <clears> and <throat> i just look at a guy i look like a guy he's he's played hockey with totally. but then he does a tour he does a tour in oshawa he does yeah. a tour in, in like d- darker parts of pickering he does a yeah. tour in toronto like just it's a little a stint yeah. to get his training and Brampton. then he has to deal with population oh yeah. my god if he does anything in Brampton. Yeah, he is dealing with cultures, cultures, ideologies, aesthetics that he's people never encountered, never, never. encountered. Yeah. He might have been to a party in Brampton. I remember when I was nineteen years old, I'd been to Brampton once. I'd been to Montreal twice. Think about that. Like, think right. about and Brampton is a cultural microcosm yeah. that is so fundamentally different from the day to day of what an average Shelburneite experiences in that for people who don't know this the the city of the city of brampton which is like north of north north gta north of toronto ontario the third largest indian population outside of india it's it's pretty large the what's the correct term here is it asia a pacific asian no asian pacific there's a term for it anyway so it has one of the largest populations outside of like great britain india and then Brampton, it would be a yeah, but like your, I totally agree. It would be a, it would be a, almost like a, a a city unto itself or a a country unto itself. There is a high, high, high population of um, Punjabi, um, Punjabi cultural Punjabis uh, and Gujarati, and then overlaid on that is a Sikh population. So you have this like, I don't, they're not diaspora, but they're. It's a it's a it's a ton of East Indian or whatever they're called Pacific Asian or I don't know the I don't know the woke term for it anyway but that that there's a big volume of that and but then you that- then you add gangs right Indian gangs into that you yes, add import, actually imported Im- yeah, imported yeah. Indian gangs it's import, very common so you, right, yeah. you start to import a, a bunch of these things and now you have this twenty one year old. Who's never dealt with anybody? They don't. They know white culture. That's all they know. So I, I just think that this is a. You're making a case and, for the a recipe for disaster. And this is a recipe for. And even let's say hired within the cultures themselves within those communities. Yeah, isn't that a potentially a, a potential tinderbox? Because totally. now you're saying you came up in that community. Yeah. All you did was go to high school, and then you got your police certificate. And now you're a cop, and again. Any any person under twenty five, me under twenty five with a gun, I'm a friggin' idiot. I don't care how much life experience you think you have. Like I still think there is enough. There is a lot of exposure to the world and to other yeah. cultures 
that you should have before they put a gun in your hand. And especially when it comes with a position of power like policing, we this is a recipe for disaster for policing where justifiable homicide in the line of duty. I'm I unfortunately I have a deadpool now. I oh, texted a buddy yeah, of mine today. Because dead. We make like, we make prediction on this podcast all the time. And we've been very correct about a great many things, I would like to think, uh, where we made a sort of prediction and it came true. My intuition is that this legislation were to pass, you, uh, you can you can jump on this bandwagon or not. If this happens in about eighteen months' time, we will see police shootings go up. We will. I, saw, I, I said. I, I said three years. I said you say three, three years. I think it's gonna be eighteen yeah. months. Because twenty twenty three is program program implementation. Twenty twenty two is when your first cohort actually goes yeah. to the program. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Twenty twenty four is when the yeah. first cohort goes to the program. 2025, we have our first officers with limited life experience that are A, and this is another thing I hate, I hate to bring this up, but an officer without a lot of education does not merit the salary that a more experienced or more educated officer we deal with would, this in would, uh, emergency would all the time. Yeah, we talk so, about yes, this because I know it's we talk about this about nursing, all right? Yeah. So I'm like, wait, isn't this just the mirrored? image of nursing because yeah. if I can get a high school kid with a one one year certificate program, I don't have to give them as good benefits. Yep. I don't have to give them yep. really good pension. I, I I can actually just pay them twenty dollars an hour if I feel like it. They got a gun and they got power. It's perks and job. What you need to do is remember that this puts a disproportionate amount of responsibility on senior staff members. So this is actually yes. what, what happened to the nurses. This is, we're just going to, uh, this actually happened in Ontario. I think we talked on another podcast. They lowered the nurses standards leave. for getting nurses getting in. So when, when this all happened, now you disproportionately put all the weight on the nurses. So I don't know if this is an attack on unions or associations. Police have associations, not unions. But I don't know if this is an attack that way, but you're making a great point. It's like, well, we're just going to pay them a little bit less. So the standard will be much lower of policing. And because we've artificially lowered it, uh, but you know, so here's what the, here's the Vanguard. I want to add a silver lining here. That might be the Vanguard for why this won't happen. There's no impetus for OPC to lower their standards to pass. Ontario police, uh, police, uh, Ontario college. Police, police college, what they could do to protect their profession, which I think would be, would be my advice to them. I mean, I don't know if obviously they're not going to hear this podcast, but my advice to the OPC would be to raise the pass limit. It's like, oh, you're letting idiots in now. Guess what? 70 used to be the pass. Now it's 80. Now you must achieve 80 on everything in order to get through. And what that's going to really do is weed out the idiots. So if you can't pass OPC, you're not going to become a police officer. They're the one, they're the regulatory body for either mature students or non-mature students. If you if you can't get through that, and I and I encourage public colleges across Ontario to raise their pass rate on things like police foundations. So the government's going to push you to take more students. The government's going to lower the standard, right? For for entry, you need to make the pass the exit harder. And I think that because that's honestly what we did in nursing. Uh, across the province, we made passing harder. And no one's backing down from that because the standard of care must be maintained, right? We expect a product and that's that product is excellent, high quality policing. It is not 20-year-olds with fucking guns running around thinking they're the boss. 
because I, I I'm going to be one of these people who I'm going to get pulled over by some jerk off who thinks he's the boss and I'm going to end up arrested in court or something. That's, yeah, that's uh, yeah, it's going to happen to me. Yeah, best case scenario. Yeah, the 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 scenario I'm afraid of the most is my buddy Brandon gets shot because it looks like he was buying mushrooms the wrong way. Oh, like right. When he went yeah. to the grocery store. Yeah. Or, or you know, my, my buddy Cameron is like stopped and frisked. Why? Because he was walking home and it was on Bloor Street at 11. Oh, I'm glad you put Thursday that. night. Because like, George Mamaliti, who is a, who is a uh, candidate for the mayor of Toronto, the largest city in Canada, thinks that we should bring back carding. He's also a dyed-in-the-wool conservative who's a buddy of Doug Ford, the current a guy, premier. A guy that's never been stopped and frisked. Never. No. Wants to institute Joe Mamaliti thinks that we should bring back carding because things yeah. were safer then. It's like, I, I don't even know what to say to you. I just hope this yeah. guy doesn't even... His, run for marriage is a total flop but this is why dumb people should not be in government or positions of power right doug ford included the the man should not be in power so uh, maybe i'm making a case about um you can be educated and be really dumb i don't i don't want people to get to think that i'm being elitist here where it's like no masters and being an idiot like you could have that too so i'm not saying that but there's a very simple gut there's a gut feeling i have here and it is that, like, you're a bigot. Like, that's yes. what you are. Yeah. You are an old guard bigot. And I don't know, allegedly. So it's like, so, but I, I don't understand how carding that disproportionately affects people of color is a, is a, a system that you want to reapply as a way to make communities safer because fearful communities are not safer communities. Correct. Fearful yeah. communities yeah. are recipes for, if not revolution, then ultimately like retaliation. And like, and I can't, I'm again, six foot goofy looking white guy. I have never been in a community. I've never been in a room that I have ever doubted myself belonging in fundamentally. Totally. Like yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And this is like there and think about it that way. And I've never been on a street that like, except in the, um, the, the Sierra Leone district uh, of Paris when I was there and I was a, a little bit out of place. Was I a little bit like, Oh, I'm very much the only white guy here. Like <laughs> I, it's, but it, it was it, that my comment was that I'm like, Holy crap. I'm the only white guy in this, on this street right now. My, my reaction wasn't, I'm afraid for my life because of me being the, the, the outlier in this, in this culture yeah. that I'm standing in. No, my like predisposed arrogance was just like, Holy crap. I stick out like a sore thumb. Sure. Think about that. And especially, especially in my experience with law enforcement, it is like, holy crap. Like, I'm just like, well, I'm like, the cops did what? Oh, those bastards. Did you file a complaint? Could you imagine <laughs> saying that to a marginalized <laughs> community? And they're like, yeah, we've been filing complaints for the last like 30 years. Nothing's happening. Maybe making a point about the idea that, well, maybe we are in general, is that social media is polarizing us in such a way, right? 
the death of credentials, which seems to be sort of on the rise, right? We don't know what. <laughs> yeah. And now you have a generation of maybe young males, pro- probably white, because that's what it seems like the Ford government's leaning to. We're going to put guns in their hands. They're disillusioned. They're not able to buy homes. You know, they don't like the government. They're afraid of the other. We, we, I, Af- I afraid of immigrants. Irma, right. This is like the perfect confluence of events for people to just be shot needlessly. So, um, unsurprisingly, the Ford government has no idea what they're doing. They are not fit to govern. And here we find another piece of legislation potentially that will prove that without a shadow of a doubt over and over. So anyway, can I, um, can I, can I just, let me just, let me round this out with the end of the cynical tirade. Sure. And that is in, have you heard of PASISBA? Have you heard of PASISBA, Alex? Is that an acronym for something like, or is it a urinary tract disorder? (laughs) <laughs> it's well it, it honestly it's going to feel like a urinary tract disorder for ontario but it's actually the private security and investigative services branch that is the licensing body for private security services oh, in like, ontario like brinks or uh no but yeah Brink, brinks yeah, qualifies yes sure but for people know brinks is like the guys who put cash in the cash machines or cash yeah. In the, yeah they they guard money uh yeah. literal cash transfers between banks sure so much like we saw with nurses going to cosmetic clinics, yep. shooting Botox in people's faces because they were tired of literally having people assault them. My guess is that when the renegotiation of benefits happens because you have an influx of young, uneducated OPC you know, grads and they say, oh, looks like 40% of your union or your – sorry, your association now is – really young people let's see if we can renegotiate their contracts so we can actually make them pay lower fees that are ultimately the benefits and the pension contributions that the police association already pays for yeah i can see this is is great these highly trained officers Uh or the veterans on the force are going to say why would i stay when private security pays me more and i can just buy my own benefits yeah Defund yeah. it, break it, offer a private solution. Private option. Yeah, no, you're totally private, right. Private option on this is private security totally. for whatever. Yeah. Like, why not? Yeah. And no, why not I, have militarized private security? These officers, officers are trained. Municipalities will just pay private companies to patrol their streets. And I mean, this is that's a dystopian way to look at things. I, I, I hear uh, you. Yes, but, it's a very it's, dystopian, it's, but it's, it's not, it, it wasn't. It didn't. It's not not happening in nursing, so it's very much but in healthcare. Gated, so you know, gated communities are definitely a thing, and yeah, they need yeah, they private security forces to protect the the private property of of those areas. South Africa has this in spades. Oh, totally. private security forces. Yeah. So uh, this is my worry, and I and I hate to end it on a really cynical note, but remember, it's not like the veterans of the profession have nowhere to go. A private option will, I would say, fantastically reveal itself. Totally. Yep. Probably co-owned by the people that instituted the public policy. Oh, no to doubt. In- no doubt. Inherit all of these very adept people at the profession so that we plebes 
plebs, sorry, if you want to be truly Latin, we plebs can ultimately fend for ourselves in the public system. And that is the cynical view. I, I admittedly, it's just no, it totally but- is. Yeah, it's fine. We are we are well known to be slightly cynical. It's fine. Yes. So, Alex, on that note, uh, before we do a little housekeeping, um, housekeeping, <laughs> I think I think it's incumbent upon us to at least leave our listeners with half a larf, a little bit of a laugh, and okay. uh, and ultimately. Give them something so that they can chew on nicer than razor blades that we often do. Would you rather coming on? I close. I had a would you rather. I forgot what it was though. (laughs) So I'm going to present to you with a very simple concept and it's called swearing loudly at the gym because ab exercises are Satan. (laughs) Now, Alex, I don't look it, but I've been working out. And um, I know you can't tell because it's not true, but I'm Actually, getting a little bit get up and take up all your all your clothes and let me assess. Oh, oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Just so uh, naked for, and let me assess. No, for, hashtag, our, for our audience, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hashtag no incest homo. I don't know what that would be. Um, but um, I think I think it's 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 we'd be irresponsible if we didn't also mention that we are people too, and sometimes we people, as in me has a girlfriend who is like super fit and it's exhausting. <laughs> it's freaking always exhausting. I often am just like sad because my body hurts and her body's like, oh, we got to go harder. And I'm just like, I'm a weakling. And uh, this is no more true. This rings no more true or prevalent than at the gym when we're doing ab exercises and I am doing what I can only call like the tricycle version of ab workouts. And I honestly feel like my girlfriend partner is doing, I want to say like the mountain biking unicycle version of fucking ab yeah. workouts. Cause the she's like, version. Yeah, like yeah. she's doing P90X and I am quite literally just learning how to use my body. And I am, I am screaming. Like, I don't know if you ever experienced this. I don't know how much, you know, cause you don't, I don't know how much you are on the truck anymore, yeah. but at the gym, if I am not audibly working out, I am not working out. And when it comes to abs, I am making sure okay. everyone is aware I'm doing so abs. This is how unaware I am of this idea of making noise at the gym. So I know that like gyms are sometimes not approachable for women because like men are in there like grunting and yelling and doing shit like that. And it's like, it's kind of, a, it feels like a little bit of more of a hostile environment. So like I'm, I, I have this in the back of my mind, but I tend to list. I always have earbuds on when I'm at the gym. Yes. I don't know about you. I got to have, I got to have something playing often us. I just listen to us because I'm so, vain. I, I was going to the gym very habitually. And you know, when you go on certain days all the time, you start to see the same people there. And I, we belong yeah. to like sort of a club that was more, you know, it was like a racket club. So it had some other things going on there, which weren't just a gym. It was kind of more of a, a lifestyle thing. So we go there and one of the members who happens to know Crystal, who th- end up uh, doing some teaching at um, the college Crystal works at, uh, and is uh, saying, you know, I-, I just have to tell you, your husband makes a lot of noise at the gym. Like, uh, like <laughs> this is how much it bothered her that she felt she had to tell Crystal about it. So Crystal comes home and goes, uh, yeah, so um, this person said you, you make a lot of noise at the gym. I'm like, I do? Like, I was kind of unaware of this. 
But apparently when I'm lifting, I do things oh, like yeah. I go, Ugh! Like, but but I'm bearing against the weight. I'm not like going like, Ooh! like I'm not making a weird noise or oh, like no. swearing. No. But I'm I'm like I'm pushing out air forcefully from my lungs when you do an exercise. Yeah. This is kind of normal. But normal. Uh, this this yeah. person felt threatened by it enough to talk to my wife about it. Which so anyway, I'm guilty of this a little bit myself. To be perfectly honest, I, I apologize yeah. to all the people I've offended with my breathing heavily. But uh, but yeah. No, I think here. you got to make, you got, there's even, what's that, what's that awful, you know, purple and yellow logo gym that like, um, oh, uh, fit for less planet fitness, planet, planet fitness, planet fitness. Planet fitness. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm mixing up yeah, the other so shitty plan- gym. Yeah. Sorry. Whatever it is, <laughs> but at least shitty gyms, shitty gyms can respect the fact that people are coming there to make noise. Planet totally. fitness. And I worked, I worked on this account for four weeks when I, it was at uh, a very, one of the first agencies I worked at, I worked at planet, I worked on the planet fitness account Okay, and they told me about the big red button. And I'm like, what's the big red button? They're like, Oh, cause we don't want gym bros in the gym making noise, make, making everyone feel threatened. So, so don't, don't, re- gym <laughs> don't literally yeah. go to gym. Yeah. We you want that. Tap the big red button so that people don't feel threatened. And we get like, it's like a bro button or something. And I'm just like, and I'm like, cool, cool, whatever. Didn't think about it. Hated the account. Ended up going on a booze account. Somehow I was, it did way better on booze than I did on fitness, which strange. speaks volumes strange. of my entire professional <laughs> life. But I go, you know, years of like, Oh well, you know, yeah, it'll work out a little. Yeah, stretch you know, a little bit. You know, keep a little few weights for push-ups here and there. But then it's like you know, fall in love with someone who's a fitness freak, and I find myself in the gym more often than I care to be. And somehow working out means you gain more weight. I don't know how it works, but I find myself doing ab exercises and literally swearing at the top of my lungs, like, <laughs> like just because it's it's like. It's like hitting my thumb with a hammer. It hurts so much. Only isolated to my abdominals. And I'm not going to lie, people. I do not recommend abdominal exercises to anybody. But <laughs> I, if you, uh, if I have you're a feeling too this. good about yourself, do yeah. some abdominal exercises because you will immediately feel not so good about yourself. I'm going to reframe this for people who either are you know, swearers or talkers at the gym and they need something to sort of like round this out, right? So it's like, Part of amping yourself up to do something that is difficult, we call positive self-talk, right? It's the thing we talk about in leadership. You know, we talk to ourselves to say, you know, or you're afraid or you're nervous about something. You you say, you say to yourself, like, you know, if I'm you, you go, Adam, Adam, you, you, you know what you're talking about. You've done this lot. You've done this lots of times. You're going to go do this. You're going to do this presentation. You're fine. You know what you're doing. You talk to yourself. You you do this, either you do it out loud or you have an internal monologue, right? Your ego is telling yes. you this. And you're like, I'm legit. I am fucking legit. I got this. So we do this all the time. And my, I think that grunting or yelling or swearing while we're working out is a, is a version of positive self-talk in that moment. It's not immediately obvious that that's what it is, but I, 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 that's what I need to do. If I, you know, like I, I'm not a huge guy, but like I can move around some weight and I have to convince myself that when I pick up a 60 pound dumbbell and I'm going to do 
uh, I'm, you know, I'm going to do, um, I'm, I'm trying to think of the name of the exercise. Curl. No, I can't curl. Are you high? There's no I, way I can curl. I can't, I, can't, I can't curl 60 pounds. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> a bent over row with 60 pounds. I have yeah. to talk myself into it because 60 pounds is not a small amount of weight. And some people, oh. gym bros on this podcast are like, I do it 100 pounds. That's cool, bro. You clearly go to the gym more than I do. But if I'm, Mike, I have to Mike, talk myself Mike, into hey, the I know you, I know you do it. Yeah. So it's like, okay. So it's like you grab it and you go, <laughs> you know, you're, you're like, I don't do this. Yeah. Okay. So that is just a, it's a, it's a sort of a version of self-talk. Now there's, obnoxious gym bro chatter which i don't like i'm with you on that i'm with you on that that, yeah yeah so there's a big difference between obnoxious gym bro chatter and the guy who's just like motivating himself to do to to be there be present lift that weight do that ab exercise you know there's a difference i think there is so i like that you said that because as a as the offspring of an an Italian side of a family. Yeah. Whenever I see that that gym bro chatter, I just picture who I, I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call him my uncle Fabio. Sure. So if it's where like where I his name is not Fabio and he doesn't listen to this podcast, don't worry. But if he did, he knows I'm talking about him. <laughs> it's my uncle Fabio is just like, oh yeah, bro, yeah, get that lift in, bro. Get the lift, VTech, VTech on my friggin' Subaru, man. Oh, get the lift. I feel the, I feel the breeze, man. You that sound like guy, you sound like every guy in Woodbridge that owns a Honda Civic. Exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> my my uncle Fabio, <laughs> he's definitely that guy. But me. All I do is when I do an ab workout, I say, son of a bitch, I shit. Like that's just, that's, I got to get the ab. I got to get the, I got to get the rep in and every rep is either preceded or followed by an expletive because I'm an adult and swearing is the last thing that I have. I lost everything else from childhood. Swearing swearing is 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 considered a sign of intelligence. So you can have that. Well, Clearly, I am the anomaly, as I'd like to be. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And that's that. I will leave you with that. Uh, To all of our gym rats listening to the podcast as they work out, you're pretty much a psychopath. You have music. Why would you listen to us? Totally. Yeah. Are you drunk? Um, But uh, that being said, to housekeeping, uh, friends and fam and listeners abroad, you can find us uh, on Spotify on Amazon Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on, oh man, there's a few, Apple Apple Podcasts, (laughs) on iHeartRadio. You can find us on, I think it's called Podcast Bay or something like that. It's got a weird name. Don't worry, I'll shut them out correctly next time. Uh, You can email us at masses at gmail.com. You can tweet at us, though we have protested our Twitter account by not posting to it very often. Uh, you can at the real Bropium. You can you can Reddit us at Bropium for the Masses. We often comment on posts that have to do with how yellow canaries are and whether or not coal mines can actually be clear indicators of how canaries die. Honestly, science is still up. I think still, there's a lot of arguments to be made on both no sides. Knows. Yeah. Yeah. Is it is it does it depend on how yellow the canary is or how high the coal mine? I don't know. I, it's, it's a lot of science. It's a lot of variables. Ultimately, 
All I know is that these small birds are dying and we're studying it for science. That's all I know. <laughs> That's, That's yeah. we're contributing to science. Um, you can, <laughs> this is so bullshit. I'm sorry. Uh, you, can, you, you can, uh, you can, you can actually, you can like us or follow us on Spotify and you can even respond to our, our, our episode questions or, or, or comments. You can leave a comment, uh, smash like, and subscribe on the Spotify. If you can, it definitely helps the algorithm. Um, Zencaster has started featuring our podcast as well because oh. we actually use the recording software and you can even check out our YouTube where our graphics are better than our content. I'm kidding. Our content's way better than our graphics. That's just a comment <laughs> on me. Um, yeah, but yeah, check us out, uh, team. And if you have any recommendations, uh, for other guests or topics, uh, as you can probably tell, uh, Alex and I are incredibly adept at medicine and advertising, respectively, and not even that much on the advertising side, at least. Uh, <laughs> but we we like to keep you well uninformed on the on the day to day happenings of the world. So, if you have any recommendations for things you'd like us to touch on, or at least do a melon baller, you know, depth of size deep dive on, um, we can. So, do not hesitate to reach out. Alex? Awesome. No, you did it. You 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 hit all the nails. Is that is that the no, that's not the phrase. I'm not sure. I, well, I think I'm trying I'm, to say here. It's it's weird. It's weird to discuss coffins on a podcast. Uh we're we're trying to grow. Uh wait, no, it was just Easter. Sorry. We're rising through <laughs> our coffin. There's a stone in front of the tomb of a mass audience, and we're gonna roll it back. I think for people who are going to turn into our next podcast, I would really like to talk about Matt Walsh. I know it's not in our, doesn't fall in my wheelhouse, but I want, I I think I need to talk a little bit more about Dylan Mulvaney and Matt Walsh and what's been happening in the um, daily wire sphere. Is that, yeah, I think, yeah. Yes. I think they're, they are a, a, a universe unto themselves. Well, I'm sorry. What do you call, a collective delusion. I don't know. Is that is that a cult? Is that is, is that the right a, a word? Cult? Is it I'm not an English cult? major, but it feels like it's called a cult. Uh, but yeah, it's, yeah, sure, yeah. Because yeah. collective collective delusion has to be one of the most interesting modern phenomena. Like, well, I mean, sorry, Mormonism is basically what the 1877 <laughs> version of collective delusion. Wait, you read tablets that are Jesus? Yes, I can read tablets that are Jesus. I have can a you show me the tablets? No, I no. can't show you the tablets. <laughs> uh, I have a friend who's Mormon. And I mean, all of the burning questions about Mormonism, you you know I asked him all of them. I, I'm not going to go to... We're, we're, we're deep. I don't want to get yes. deep into this, but anyway. We won't. It turns out there's a lot of like flexibility with Mormonism. But I, oh. I thought there was like more of a rigid adherence to it. No, he's like, no, man, not not as much. Like, you know, the magic underwear thing, not a thing. He says, you know, like, yeah, some people wear it, some people don't. It's not like so, if you don't wear it, you're not, you don't get one of the hundred and forty thousand spots in heaven. Despite how many people have already died and been Mormons before you, and the math doesn't really work out. But don't worry about that. You don't. You you don't. It's not a requirement. You don't have to wear the magic underwear. Yeah. And the my, idea, my, honestly, my, the magic underwear. Do you know why they think it's magic? Or I actually don't. Is it, is it Jesus? I, I know. I was kind of like, why is this underwear so special? So if you don't know anything about Mormon underwear, it's like a it's like a long pair of underwear that you would have to kind of step out of a little bit. It's not like you could just pull it down. 
and it's connected to something up top. So it's like a shirt. And the idea is it will take you longer to get out of so you won't have sex with it on. Uh, which I don't know if Mormons know how clothing works, but it's it's Kellogg's cornflakes. If I give them a boring thing to eat, maybe that's they won't right. have so many humors in their, <laughs> no, in their it's like that's the that's the rationality behind it. I'm like, oh, so it's just another piece well, of clothing to take off. Look, if I have a rod on, there's nothing that's going to stop me from taking these pants off. I'm just telling you right now. Like, I, like, what do you, what do you one, mean? The one that's thing I can do to make me. this better for myself is take these pants off. That's right. That's right. It's going to actually help the situation. So flashers I, everywhere are just like the coat is just there so I can, you know, get up the nerve to release, you know, the rod into the public. I, I feel like the, the coat, coat is very restrictive. If I were a flasher, I'd be wearing a coat so that my bare ass isn't touching the disgusting things I have to sit on, like park benches know. or if I'm on the subway, you don't want to sit the bare subway. ass. Yeah, man. You just, like yeah. I, you need to protect your butt. I know I'm flashing Funeral my dick to unsuspecting uh, strangers, like, really? but yeah, exactly. So I feel like the it's just a helpful barrier to make sure you maintain cleanliness on your flashing it's true. escapades. It's yeah, true, basically. Yeah, it's not it's not restrictive. It enables. It enables you don't want to get that 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 sphincter yeast infection I referenced earlier. Exactly, that exactly. leads to your lower taint and genitals. This is there's nothing worse. Than a traveling yeast infection. It's the worst. It's the worst uh, installment of Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants that they probably <laughs> released. It. I can't believe they did number four. They could. They could have kept it as a trilogy. Uh, they should have left it at. Should have. They should have yeah. left it's it terrible, at. Yeah. Terrible. I, Who produced that? That they should not get that produced. <laughs> Bastard Blake. Blake Ryan. I'm sorry that I've mentioned <laughs> such things. <laughs> I don't know you personally. Oh, I'm sorry. Man. I said that aloud. Oh, Until right. next time, Alex, my friend. Until next time.